Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! Up you wake, up you wake, up you wake, up you wake! This is Mr. Senior Love Daddy, your voice of choice. The world's only 12-hour strong man on the air. And that's the truth. Welcome to Bennington. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise I won't bore you. I want you to take your hand out of that bowl of Fritos, throw away your National Enquirer, and pick up the phone. Go ahead, pick it up. Talk radio. It's the last neighborhood in town. People just don't talk to each other anymore. You would be very lucky if in your whole life you saw the work of one genius. The form of the tragic autobiography is dead. Goodbye, written word. So I have chosen this form, radio. Talk in my life. Hashtag Bennington. This is Mr. Senior Love Daddy doing the nasty to your ears, your ears to the nasty. Eyes only play the platters that matter, the matters they platter. And that's the truth.
was a tough ending there. It's Bennington. Bennington. Uh, and today's house band, uh, The Kinks. I'm Ron Bennington. With me as always, Gail Bennington. No Hello. relation. Hello. Hello. Uh, to give us a call, it's 866 766 866-766-0339, hashtag Bennington on the Twitter. Gail, you picked the Kinks as our house bag band today. I did. I'm feeling good about it. I don't think you'd be in a bad mood when you listen to that song. That song, uh, you know, I have, I've had Ray Davis on the show m- multiple times, but also Terrence Stamp, who supposedly is Terry and Julie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's supposed to be, some people say, Terrence Stamp and Julie Christie. I don't think Ray Davies says that anymore, though. But Uh, that used to be the thing to say. Um, It's a perfect song. You know, I was talking to to my friend Jumpin' Jack Flash about this the other day. (laughs) Why aren't the kinks in the same place as the who... The Beatles, the Stones. It's pretty bizarre. Like, I've had this conversation before, and I don't think that they get brought up in that same tier. It's pretty strange. No, they certainly don't. They certainly do not. the body of work is amazing. Yeah. And also, tons of hits, tons of, like, radio play kind of hits. It's not, like, for lack of people knowing these songs. I mean, they've had tons of, like, pop hits. If you really look at the early stuff... Would like you really got me and all that. Mm-hmm. To me, that was kind of punk rock and then new wave. Like if you you could easily trace the Elvis Costello back to them. Absolutely, yeah. But see, here's the thing: I, I found out from Ray Davies when they first came here to the states, they got in some kind of trouble, so they weren't able to come back for years. I think something one of them was too young. Mm-hmm. Got their green card revoked, whatever it was. So they weren't able to tour a lot of the times when people were touring. They didn't come back and tour again until the 70s. So they felt like the real sweet spot in their career was taken away from them. And then, but they did tour a lot in the 70s. Like they were still making. In the 70s, but all those songs that you hear are late 60s songs. So they had sort of a gap in that. Yeah, they had this gap where you were supposed to. You know, be doing Ed Sullivan and The Tonight Show and, you know, running around like the monkeys. That yeah. was all taken away from them. So maybe that's uh, that's the key. Maybe but it doesn't reason. stop uh, the, the fact that people themselves should be able to pick up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that it's pretty shocking if you if you go through there. Their body of work. You know who's kind of brought him back is Wes Anderson. That is In true. his films. Originally, Rushmore was, I think, supposed to be all King songs. And then he ended up just using one. He made but a giant mistake. Because <laughs> that would have been perfect. But he's instead just went with like a British invasion theme. I and think. then he spread them all out, though. He spread the kinks out all uh-huh. the time. Yeah. Um, oh, such a great band. You know, in a lot of ways, like I said, they're like punk. Then they were like new wave. They were also like Oasis, whatever that Britpop mm-hmm. was. Two brothers punching each other on stage, <laughs> writing beautiful songs. I mean, Oasis just came in and lifted that completely. Absolutely. You know, when the with the Kinks, I had never heard some of these songs by the Kinks. I heard them by a, a band called The Whereabouts. 
uh, a band that was very, very big in Twin Oaks, Pennsylvania. Oh, and they were the the co- the cover band. I didn't know it was a cover band. I was a little kid, <laughs> but it was like uh, the whereabouts were unbelievably hip. Yeah, George Emirates, Scott Okerson, <laughs> Bobby Bennington. They were bringing a whole new sound to the suburbs. So I, I would, uh, you know, hear some of the songs. I'm like, this is amazing. But I was too little to understand songs come from somewhere. Right. You know? Like, These guys are really talented. These guys got something. I mean, they're on the edge of something that seems to be working. You know, they just uh, won that big battle of the bands over at the... <laughs> Do uh, they do they practice at your house? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Uh, Derek, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Mr. Bennington, it's good to hear you on a Friday. Okay, I have a weird tw- trivia question. I want to see if you can guess what this is. Right. Okay? It's the same lead singer who sang lead in two different bands. He sang the same song under two different names. And and what and, and it became a hit two times. It was I wouldn't say they were a hit two times, but they were both they were both well known. It's the same song, but under the two different bands, the song went by two different names. All right, and now the singer sang in both. It, it's weird. Uh, no, uh, let, let's try to. Um Let's try to figure this out. Same song. Same lead singer. He yep. used two different names. No. no the band <laughs> used two different names. No, no. I'm sorry. The song that's performed by yeah. the two different bands went by two different names, the song title. But the song was the same, and the lead singer was the same. Are the lyrics the same, or are they? Just, he just lifted the his lyrics, own hook? Or were they in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's nothing weird like that. It, it, they're they're both rock bands, for lack of a better term. Hmm. Boy, lack of a better term. You're not even <laughs> you're not even comfortable with the fact that it's they're real. so-called rock. Band. Yeah, they, uh, it was called rock. Was all right, so I'm gonna guess this is a '60s thing, right? No, it's actually <laughs> a '70s into '80s thing. '70s into '80s. So, yeah. I mean, we're really looking at a, you know, at a time where my Sharona had the entire country, you know, like the cars were out, right? I mean, is that what we're looking at? Like a, the summer of the cars? Did it change genres? Yeah, Was it, it when jump? Yes. disco to... It, yes, it did change genres. The first genre would be progressive rock. The second genre would be considered new wave. All right, so it's like a prog rock, like an Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yes, you know what I mean? Just, uh, you're almost, you are half right there. You almost got it. It's a Keith Emerson, not Lake no. and Palmer. It's a lake. Yeah, you were right the second time with the yes. Something with yes? It's okay, yes, loner, like owner of a lonely heart gimmick. You're you're on the right path. I mean, I I could just tell you if you if you want to. Yeah, we're at that point. Short. I think. I think we're at that point. Okay, the singer was Trevor Horn. He sang lead in Yes on the drama album. And then the, he did a song called Into the Lens. Then he joined the Buggles. Yeah, the Buggles. the same song, but it was called I Am a Camera. All right, I'm going to send you into the big ass prize closet for this weirdness. 
All right? We're going to get your name and numbers. Now, the uh, Buggles became uh, famous for the video Killed the Radio Star. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Would you cool. get to hear that story every day on the 80s on 8? <laughs> A different ex-VJ will explain that song. Uh so you're big with the Kinks. Sure, yes. Yes, I am. I uh, I saw them, like, when they were doing, like, Ape Man, all that kind of shit, you know. Real Ape Man, I'm an Ape Man. <laughs> but I'll tell you something else about them when I saw uh, them. They would play the opening chords to Lola, right? Uh-huh. Place would go crazy. Ha! <sighs> <laughs> and then they would go like this, okay, not now. <laughs> and then not play the song. <laughs> so mean. Yeah, they, they, uh, I felt like we were attacked for our rock enthusiasm. <laughs> like you're too enthusiastic. <laughs> there's Play a lot of times, um, uh, there's a lot of times that the English bands think that we're way too weird and, way too nice and english comics say the same thing just too welcoming yeah we're too welcoming we're too enthusiastic we're believing it's going to be a good night yeah you know so uh, english comedians i i saw uh dame judy whatever her name is Mm -hmm. the other day saying that that when she does a play here in the united states that the Americans' audiences lean forward, where the English audiences all lean back and wait for you to bring it to them. And we're all like, we're at a show. This <laughs> is awesome. We're ready to have a great time. But then, to me, when I see what those English audiences look like when they go to a rock show, where they'll stand in the same spot for 18 hours, you know, it'll just be packed yeah. at Wembley. I don't think Americans do that at all. I think we're always like, I'm going to go get a beer and a glow stick. I'm going to call people. You know, and we're there. They just sit there. They just stand like birds on the beach. I think that maybe the English people just think that about all encounters with Americans. You know, like that we're just coming at everything with like full yeah you know what i mean just full tilt on everything Ah, i think we look to them like lisa simpson (laughs) we're just running with our arms going (laughs) i don't trust them very much but in a lot of ways i think i would have i think i would have been more comfortable growing up british than i would american well you've always been kind of an anglophile do you think so i do I do I, think you are. I think all Americans like British things, though. Other well, than their fucking food. <laughs> well, they have the meat pies. Ugh. I love a meat pie. Ugh. <laughs> to me... It's so hearty. It's like, yeah, it's like eating death. It's like saying to yourself, I give up, and then chewing it and swallowing <laughs> it. Um... The author, the Harry Potter author, J.K., what's her name? J.K. Rowling? J.K. Simmons. No. Just one def- whiplash. Unbelievable. <laughs> not. That's not it. But yeah. she, I saw an interview with her when she had, like, first come to the U.S. when her book had become, like, a huge hit. Yeah. And she was doing a book signing, and this woman came up to her and said, um, I am so excited that you're rich. I'm just so happy for you. <laughs> and she was like, this was, like... 
a pinnacle moment of her understanding the way Americans think because she was like, an English person would never say that. They would just like never think that. They would never right. be happy that someone else would, the, would the, be the rich. The British people are not happy to see you with a new car. <laughs> you know, um, like uh, the American Idol judge that came over from England, mm-hmm. um, Shelby, I think no. his name is. Simon. S- Simon, yeah. A lot of people call him <laughs> Shelbo. Uh, he said that he would come over here, buy a nice car, and people would come up and talk about it. And he was, he couldn't, un- he was like, this is, I think there's something about Americans where we think we're going to be rich. So that's why we protect the one percenters in this country. <laughs> we're like, we, you could be like making eight grand a year, and you're like, hey, I don't want to see any taxes against the rich. <laughs> because when I get there, you know, I want to keep all my money. We just think something is going to happen. I think that's why, that you see so many confident people going to the lottery. It's yeah. People spend their lottery money before they buy their ticket. I've had uh, so many people go like this. If this hits, I'm going to give you 20 million. I go, <laughs> what? I'm getting 20 million for nothing, for nothing. Just want to give it to you. You're my man. <laughs> and I get my 80. I'm peeling off 20 right off the top, giving it to you. I'll still have 60 million. Although I'm giving him another forty million to other buddies of mine, and I'm going to keep twenty for me, my parents, my cousins, my nieces. They just think, but I'll probably hit again. So what am I worried about? But I think Americans expect to be wealthy. I think that there's something that um, somehow when we're young we're programmed to think like that's very possible. And well, uh, remember when they said anybody. Any of you kids, any of you kids could be president. Oh, yeah. And if I was teaching first grades, I, I'd go like this. Let's get this out of the way. None of you kids are going to be president. <laughs> no one else is playing in the NBA. Not in this room. I'm looking around here. Not going to happen. One of you people may be a clerk somewhere. <laughs> Tops. Most of you, I don't know what's going to happen. On the dole, as they say in Britain. On the toe. Um, but the, uh, but I, uh, being told Gervais does a line very, very similar to that. But maybe that's why they're more grounded than us, that the Brits are very more grounded than us. They, they also lack emotion. Or they don't. They lack sharing emotion. They well, don't want to share emotion. They like to feel like they're in control, stiff upper lip and all that. Mm-hmm. They find it pathetic and selfish for you to share your pain where our friends here get mad when we don't share pain yeah there was an interview with um paul mccartney right after linda died and i remember he was saying like oh yeah it's hard yeah uh but mm, you know how it goes uh stiff upper lip and <laughs> It does hurt, though. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, dude? Perhaps because she's the mother of my children, my 24-hour-a-day partner for the last 22 years. There's a tinge, a tinge, uh, somewhere where the heart should be. Um, do you know, like, the night that John Lennon was killed, Paul went to the studio and he was chewing gum when, you know, the paparazzi was all there. And he's like, yeah, bummer, isn't it? And everybody in the States was really mad. Like, you know who I, you know, people were like mourning John Lennon. And they would go like this. You know who I hate? Paul. <laughs> he looked like he doesn't give a shit. 
that John died. And you're like, well, they do give a shit. They're just not us, where we are like black Baptist women who want to throw ourselves <laughs> on the uh, on the casket. Take, Lord, take me too. Take me with alone. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. It's like if you ever get the opportunity to go to a black funeral, people will swan dive into the grave. <laughs> no, no longer wanting to live. I think the Italians like to try to climb in a casket. The Italians will put on a black dress and never uh never change out of it. Yeah. You know, 40 years later, they will not let any color be <laughs> cast upon them. And then the Irish have a great way of doing it where they feel the pain of the loss, so they headbutt each other. <laughs> they just constantly smash their heads together. All of these I understand better than stiff upper lip. Stiff upper lip. <laughs> there we go. Well, it looks like the baby's dead. <laughs> Small coffin from him. Tiny little coffin. They're just... But I guess they do that to survive. They're just a, a, an island in the middle of a cold, unforgiving sea that's been attacked so many times. The last time, thing they have time for is sensitivity, you know? I guess that's what it is. They, they, we must look crazy when we get upset over, you know, celebrity deaths or, like, the death of, like, an artist. I'm sure that must look Who was insane. your first really big celebrity death? Um... Uh, the first time I remember really being emotional about it was, I think, River Phoenix, and I was very young. And then, I don't know if you remember this, but, God. <laughs> but like, I remember coming down, downstairs, yeah. and um, <laughs> my mom was cooking breakfast, <laughs> and you were there, and you quickly turned off the TV. <laughs> And you're like, hey, buddy, um, come sit down. Because that was like my crush. Yeah. I loved him so much. Yeah. And you had to sit me down like it was someone that yeah. I knew personally. And then you just kind of let me be upset for a while and cry as it was as though it was like my real boyfriend. Right. <laughs> no school for you today, pal. Stay at home. We're going to eat candy and watch cartoons. <laughs> You know, I remember I, I, when uh, Joey Ramone died, I said something really stupid to you, too. I go, well, he got to rock for a long time or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you just came in like, Joey Ramone's dead. I'm like, hey, he really got to rock, you know, the way he wanted to. I just said the most, you know, like, because I just wasn't prepared for it. Yeah, I Because I, everything was 9-11 to you, no matter what happened. Totally. Still yeah. is. Yeah. Still ready for a 9-11 moment. It's a very East Coast mentality that I have. <laughs> Every day is a potential 9-11. Yeah. It's normally around 9, 10 and late for your emotions. <laughs> so, yeah, we always have to be ready to spring into action. That is all, That is the weird thing, but I totally get why we're... I mean, Robin Williams dying? Forget about it. I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I and could not wrap my head around I that. I still can't. Like, still, no, I can't. I'll kind of think about it, and yeah. it's still very bizarre to me. You know, when Robin Williams, because of the way he died, which I didn't even expect at all, I after that, I thought, well, 
now who's going to kill themselves? Is somebody just going to someone's going to walk up and go like this? Oh, did you hear Neil Young jumped off a bridge? You know what I mean? Like I was Jack Nicholson drove his car <laughs> into a tree. I, I, I it felt insane to me. It insane. Was, it's really awful. It doesn't. Yeah, I think it just didn't make sense. No. Oh, there's no sense there. It's down to the point where you're just like, well, I just have to put it over here. It'll be one of those things that I'll never understand. But there's a part of me that believes it seems like from the outside, it could have been demonic. That's how crazy. Yeah. Because I don't think he would have made that decision before or after. That's, I mean, certainly to the outside world, nobody would ever suspect that um, as an option. No. Uh, Fred, Fred in Georgia, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, who do you think was more upset, the Americans or the British, when Princess Di got killed? When Princess Di died? Yeah. Uh, the, I think the British. I, I mean, don't know. Americans it seems like upset, all the women but... around here just lost their shit. Yeah, I know. We have a lot of people that love the royal family. For me, it doesn't. It doesn't connect at all. I think it was probably like we were more outwardly upset. Again, maybe we made more of a show of it, but I think they were probably... They said that was their first real public mourning, and then they that they were mad at their queen for not showing up. And she had to come and stand and look at the flowers and cards that were... Because there was an uproar yeah. in that country. There's a lot of people who are thinking that they're, like everybody else, becoming more Americanized. Yeah. That you talk to... You know, you bring up Paul McCartney, but that was a generation that really grew up British and separated, you know, where the kids today, you know, they're like little gap shoppers, little Snapchatters. They might as well be, you know, growing up in Illinois. Yeah, I think the whole world is like that because we're all so connected now that, you know, it's like you have the same shops and restaurants and it's like we're music. interconnected through a web of <laughs> technology or social media technology yeah that's the important thing now is that you have it out there uh now when you cry you take a picture of it and upload it <laughs> look at me this morning's a disaster <laughs> me 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 that's what we we should start a, a web service just called me 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 just me, 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 me. And you don't even get any friends. It's just so you can view yourself. I want to come up with like a band that you, so you can just wear your iPhone just six inches away from your face at all times. And it's just, you're just constantly just shooting out what you're doing. Just take the GoPro, turn it around like a, like a head cam right on your face. It's not called GoPro? No. Oh, GoPro. <laughs> I've been calling it GoPro all this time. <laughs> I don't understand why I went to the store and they went and sell me a GoPro. <laughs> I got to talk to a. Um, I got to talk to Hard Rock Johnny very quickly. Johnny. Oh, boys and girls. Hi. Johnny. The British thing you were talking about before, the so? concert thing, is yeah. the weirdest thing. I've, I've been there 
I don't know, six or eight times and gone to these festivals. And it could be the most beautiful day. It could be pissing down rain for eight hours. And the same amount of people are going to show up at the concert. They're going to stand there and they're going to enjoy it. Just put on the wellies. Let's go. It's raining. And then, Sonny, put on some sunscreen. Let's go. That's it. And they just your, First of all, your impression is amazing. I <laughs> felt like you, it was anyone. I don't know if you knew it. I was an impressionist. Yeah. That's, that's one of um, my few accents. But they don't move. They don't, you know what I mean? Like, all you'd have to do is go back and watch that, uh, the We Are the World Day, whatever that concert was called. <laughs> and you'll see the difference between, you see Philly and people are mucking around and mm-hmm. walking around and digging some bands and not others. And you go to Wembley and they're just standing in the same spot, just loving every band that walks <laughs> out there. It, it, just it really- loving them doesn't matter they they love the festival thing and it's and again it's different festival than than we have here that we have you know the, the the u.s has like three festivals out there it's just the festival season starts and people go and they camp out on these festival sites for days at a time and but here's the thing when they don't move like that where do they piss do they just piss <laughs> right, right there on the lawn yeah yeah hyde park just pissing on each other when do they get their snacks they, they, so, they drink a lot of beer. At the end of a night, walking out after the concert full of 80,000 people, there's just bottle, plastic bottles of Tuborg everywhere. That was always the beer that they would have at the festivals. They're very strange people, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do you go over for the Hard Rock? Yeah, we we were doing for a bunch of years. Did this uh, this big concert over in in Hyde Park every year. It was like six years in a row. Is the original Hard Rock still there? Yeah. Yep. Right on Old Not, Park Lane. Nothing has changed? That's um, changed a little, but nothing much. No. Right. Talk to you later, Johnny. All right, boys and girl. Thanks for the filling. <laughs> He's used to you saying, all right, boys. Mm-hmm. Boys. <laughs> and so now he's making a spectacle of himself by saying boys <laughs> and girl. I felt so included. Yeah, he lets you know that he's... Uh, uh, let's go over here to uh, Steve in Florida. Hey, Bennington. Hey. Hey, so how about when the princess got married and everybody in America is like, oh, goodness, the princess is married, and the British are like, eh, so what? Just a marriage. No, it doesn't make sense. You're not paying it. They love the royal family in a way that we don't have anything to compare the royal family to. When the queen dies... I think they're probably going to sink that island. I think they will give up and sink it. They've had that woman as their quote-unquote ruler for 60 years. It's just insane. And when people are saying, oh, she has no power, does she? Once a week, she meets with the prime minister for 60 years. She's got to have some pull. (laughs) This is like if we had somebody like that. That went from today with Obama all the way back to, like, Truman or FDR. It's totally We bizarre. can't even comprehend it. It's totally bizarre. Look at him there. Just an old, crazy woman. <laughs> well, we should have tea. You know what I mean? They do that thing. She's got, like, a hundred corgis. That's her thing, right? Biscuit! <laughs> Biscuit! You're like, uh, I'm sorry, Mom, that's a cookie. You're calling it the wrong way. No, I get confused. Queen Mom is not her. That was her mother. The Queen Mom. That was her yeah. mom. 
This is, uh, yeah, the queen mom didn't really rule long. And she, because when the, I don't know, the man dies, it goes to a woman if there's no one. I don't know why she hasn't had to step down for her son. But he's never been king. And it looks like never will be. Never will be. Yeah. And it'll go to William. Either William or that redheaded lunatic boy. I think it's William, right? I think that he's the, the one. The nicer who one that's not so right. much trouble. He doesn't bust up hotel rooms like yeah. he's in, like he's uh, in the who. <laughs> um, here, uh, here's uh, Tom in Chicago. You're on the Run of Fest show. How are you guys? Good, buddy. Hey, um, did you have a chance or Gail have a chance to listen to when your friend Jenny Hunt called up Opie and Jim and they had her put her phone on speaker and then they started yelling obscenities on the plane? What was this? Uh, what day was that? <laughs> one of the days this week, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, I missed that one. On, she was on JetBlue. And they said, oh, can we hear the sounds of the plane? And she puts her phone on speaker, and they just start screaming, we got a bomb, and it was priceless. Uh, well, you know, Jenny had just put out a song called Kill All the Cops. So I saw that. Yeah, Kill All the Cops. I can't and find she, it now, though. No, she had to delete it. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is, like, you, you know, with planes the way that they are, uh, these days, it's a no-fun zone. It's a no-fly zone. Yeah. It's pretty pretty sketchy. you got to be careful what you say. I get, I, but could they have taken heat for it? I mean, they weren't on the plane. They weren't it's responsible. Possible. It's possible. They're shock jocks. <laughs> Shocking people is their game. <laughs> That's their they, bread and butter. That's the B and B. You got to bring on a little bit f bomb every once in a while. Let everybody know what you're doing. Uh, you know the big uh, crazy thing on the internet right now is the dress. It's all about that dress. About that dress. Now the dress is uh, seen by some people as the. As a gold and white dress, some people as a black and blue dress, some people can't even see the dress, they just see nudity. (laughs) Now, hey, you just lined up three dresses there instead of one. That seems like it destroyed the purpose of it. Did you see three different colors on that dress that he had up? Um, Yeah, I did. Yeah, so that wasn't the point. So there's the... The original dress. It's up on the iBang right now. Go to the Interabang so we can all focus on the same dress. Um, but he kind of ruined it for me, I think, by putting <laughs> up three dresses. It got out of the way of what you were supposed, uh, supposed to be doing with it. He's good. It takes him a while to <laughs> just put iBang into a computer and go over to it. All right, so the dress... Is uh, there it is. is there? All right, there is. Now, some people see this as a gold and white dress. Some people see it as a black and blue dress. Gail, which do you see? I find it so weird that no one 
like that we're not all agreeing on one already. But to me, there's no way that that's not blue. Now, where do you see the blue? Where the gold is? No, I see the blue where the blue is. It's predominantly blue. And you see blue in what? Do you see black? I, I guess I guess from that picture, I'll go with black, but it to me it's not a perfect black. It's not like a jet black. It's kind of like dull black or like kind of like it almost like has gold in that, but there's no way the other color is white. I don't see white at all. A-Train, what do you see? It's white and gold. I see white and gold also. Wait. (laughs) And Iraq, what do you see when you look at it? I see it's black and blue. You see black and blue. Now, from what I understand, 75% of the people see it as gold and white. 25% of the people see it as black and blue. This that's so strange to me because it's not like a little bit blue. It's like I don't see it even the slightest bit of blue. I see white and then I the gold really, if I was going to be totally honest, is almost like it's like lunch bag color. Okay. All right. And that's see the solid part of the at the top? Yeah. That's what I see. Like as lunch golder. bag. Like yeah. a brownish gold. Yeah. Okay. So I see it almost like not really black, but like gray, like a muddy gray. Do you see b- jet black? No, no. It, it looks like um, when you have a f- when you take a photo and the flash is really too bright on something black, it becomes like a faint gray. It's, you know, my my email blew up with this last I night. I can't even believe this. Why do some people? Say, I mean, I'm some, in the minority. Then blue well, is the minority. I mean, it, it's not that big of a minority. But those are people that have the people who see blue or black, they have either brain tumors no. or eye tumors. No. Now, healthy people see it as no. gold and white, you know, because they have a nice, healthy brain, clean brain, and the, and the eye, which is really a part of the brain. But my thing blew up with this last night. And people were viciously upset going, tell me you you don't see gold and white. I'm like, yeah, I do. And then the next person would say the black and blue thing. I mean, to me, that's very blue. It's like... I don't see any blue. It's like this color right here in the yeah, middle. Yeah, white. No, 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 this. White. The middle, no. <laughs> How, wait, okay, so what's the explanation here? Like, the, I don't know the explanation, nor do I. I mean, obviously, people see things on some different kind of um, angle of it. Some people say it has to deal with sexuality, but I can't believe that at all. It's up on the interrobang.com. The ibang.com is what you're looking at. You'll see this dress. Some people see it as gold and white. Some people see it as black and blue. The majority, three out of four, see it. But that's not that big of a majority for people who see things differently. You know what I mean? I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, if it was 2% of the people who see it, then we could go, oh, those freaks. But when 24, 25% of the people see things wrong, it makes you wonder. Um, 
Here's uh, Mark. Mark, go ahead, buddy. Hey, guys. On Vice.com this morning, there's a, um, there's a, a story on this. And there's a secondary picture if you scroll down, and it's absolutely blue and black. Yeah, but I don't well, want to deal with that. I want to deal with the original picture right. and figure out who sees what as what. Right, because clearly if if you have the dress in front of you, we're going to get a better idea. But the strange thing is, within this image, why right. do you see it? Like, obviously, I'm probably... Not even, I'm not even that interested in why it happens, just that it does happen. You know what I mean? Well, it's got to be something. I wonder if it's like the shape of your, you know, like what is it? The shape cornea, of the eye. Are oh, you saying that retina? Asian people no. say it a different way? No. Ah, that dress. No. no Black and blue. Not what Black I'm and blue. I'm not saying that. It's coming across that way, though. <laughs> uh, Dave, Michigan. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, buddy. Um, so the it, it has to do with mental state, the, uh, the way you see the dress. If mental states. A, yeah, like a mental uh, a mindset where you're, if you see white and gold, you're in a good place. You're in a you know, positive mm-hmm. vibe. Right. And if you see black and blue, then there's something coming or something you're nervous about. Yeah. Or uh, a big event. That's all I got, Ronnie. I notice the people that see it as black and blue seem like they're dicey, edgy people. You know? I'm not dicey or edgy. I wouldn't give you anything sharp. <laughs> Because I want you to jab out at people. <laughs> Just start jabbing. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I think this would be a perfect dress for any woman to wear to commit her first bank robbery. Because then the police couldn't identify it. Nobody could identify it. Or a man. And he's just yelling out, we're the black and blue <laughs> robbers. Or are we the gold and white robbers? <laughs> The, uh, Jake, Jake, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going? Oh, so when I uh, first got shown the picture of this dress, I seen it as uh, black and blue. Um, my fiance was freaking out because she seen it as the white and gold. And then about 15 minutes later, I looked at it again, and I actually seen it as white and gold. And I've seen it change in you know, my observation twice. Really? Uh, so you're in and out of insanity. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, Weird. It's very funny, though, but I will agree that people are fucking freaking out <laughs> over this. Instead of just being cool and just looking at it, people are young like, you do not see it that way. <laughs> you're lying and you're trying to make other people feel bad about themselves. Like, I mean, easy. Just, I mean, just now I kind of felt for a second like maybe you guys were messing with me. A lot of people are feeling that. Because they're not thinking it through that we don't all see things the same way. It's it's really weird. It's not. It, I guess it would be a little more like, oh, okay, I get it, like slightly different. But blue and white are pretty, like, are, is it a stark white to you? Is it a soft like white? I mean, I don't sit around and measure my whites. It's just <laughs> white. You know what I mean? Like, at no time, I, I've never gone like that. Oh, what a nice stark white shirt. <laughs> You're wearing the soft white yesterday. <laughs> I, I just see uh, gold. And then if I'm going to be honest about it, and that's not exactly a gold color. Right. And then the white, I guess there's a bluish who to that, if you will. <laughs> Is that the right word? You. you. There's a you to the and a with a who. Uh, but I don't, I don't, 
I don't find this massively as weird as the intranets seem to feel. Well, do you remember, like, years ago we saw a thing where it was, like, um, a high-pitched tone that people of a certain age could hear? Like, if yeah. you're young, you could... Right. So it's it's got to be something in that same area where it's, like... Yes, as you start to die, you see things as white and gold, <laughs> the colors of heaven. Um, let's go over here to uh, Jr. How you doing, Jr.? Man, when my wife told me that she was seeing white and gold in that dress, like I honestly had the same feeling uh, that I did when I took too many mushrooms. Like. I could get the same feeling in my stomach, like a adrenaline was racing. Like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, like, it it's true. So You're basically like, thinking you had a flashback. Like her and her friends were talking. Like her and her friends had conspired against me. Like, I, just, I was freaking out. <laughs> I was looking at my hands for tracers. But yeah, people are reacting that way instead of. I mean, maybe I grew up. With too many of those things where it could be a lamp or too many or two people <laughs> facing each other, I get that we don't all see the same things. Why is that so freaky to people? Well, there's certain scents that people, some people can smell them and some people can't. Like yes. whatever. So I guess it makes sense, but there's something about this dress. I know <laughs> it's people, really messing with my head. <laughs> right, people are writing, where can they find it? It's on the on the eye bang right now, and they said. Maybe you shouldn't even go look at this. They said over 800 people have already killed themselves after looking <laughs> at this dress. I, You are nervous that you see a different color. I feel weird about it. I feel weird. You could also search uh, the hashtag Bennington on the Twitter, and that'll come up with it as well. Um, why does it make you feel weird, though? I don't know. I guess... It doesn't make sense to me how that could be. Especially, okay, there are other whites in the photograph. Like, how does it compare to those whites? I don't. I have never even noticed. I never even noticed what was going on in the rest of the photograph. So you know what I think? I don't think it matters so much what you see, but how you react to it. And people that freak out over this are the type of people who don't want to allow gay marriage. That is not <laughs> true. Like, That's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's supposed to be Adam and Eve. Not Adam and another guy that you do horrible things to each other. I actually think that the dress is getting bluer. <laughs> it's looking more it, blue. You're just defining yourself. You're just digging in in your black and blue states. Um... Here is uh, Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, yeah, this dress is kind of freaking me out, but I'm wondering if it has any correlation to people who could see those magic eye puzzles. I could never, ever see one of those magic eye puzzles. And I used to just eventually just go, oh, yeah, I can see the schooner. You know? You would just lie and just to join into the crowd? <laughs> into the crowd yeah, like, yeah like I see it, too. Cool it's great. <laughs> could you see those? Were you able to see yeah. those? If, if I took a, a while to do it. Um, I was able to do it, but then it wasn't until like after a while, like people had been seeing them, that I realized that I was seeing them concave instead of convex. Mm. So instead of the image like popping out at me, it was like a negative space. Yeah, I've seen it that way before too. But you know, they're both just kind of illusions, right? Sure. 
Sometimes I like the simpler. I like the simpler shit. ones that uh, that look like either it's a horse's ass or a duck's ear. You yeah. know, like the one you were saying. I can see those. The ones that were in highlights magazine. Those are kind of my specialty. Love um, highlights. Yeah, me too. Did you like Goofus or Gallant? Uh, you know, as a Goofus fan, <laughs> I like Goofus still because I like his hair. I'm like, dude, just let it. You know what I mean? Let the freak flag get out there. Um, Have a great day, guys. Peace. Bye. Hey, Rob, what's up, buddy? You're on Bennington. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, how's it going? Cool. So, I read an article last night. I was, I was looking online, and all of a sudden I saw a feed there blowing up about the stress. So I found an article that explained it. I don't know I don't know exactly where it was, but if you look, look it up, it was something to do with if you see it white and gold, it means your eyes are weaker than someone who can see it blue and black. Something to do, Gail was right. It's something to do with the shape of your corneas or some tubes that are in, rods that are in your eyes. And it, it, it means... They said, try, if you're looking at it on the cell phone, make it make the brightness higher, and the person who sees it in white and gold will see it in blue and black. I, that's, yeah, that's why I didn't, I, see, the difference between me and you guys, I don't really want to figure it out, you know what I mean? Because there's no good news there. Yeah, of now, course, I, you're I, seeing it white and gold, why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Because maybe you have better eyes, wouldn't you feel better if your eyes were better than mine? I guess, I would feel better. You know, some people... <laughs> Uh, see things uh, as they are, and they say why. And some people see things and say why not. I see things and I say I don't give a fuck. I'm not some <laughs> Kennedy. I don't have to sit around and try to help everybody do shit. <laughs> I got my own shit I'm working on. Um, all right, like I'm going on in the hashtag Bennington here, right? Mm-hmm. And Young wrote. Ron Bennington is a fucking liar. Hashtag Bennington. <laughs> hashtag blue and black. See, I think that's what, I think that's more interesting than what you see. Uh, Matt, it's just great to hear from my blue and black brothers out there. Matt, oh, hey, Rhode Island. I thought this was a chain letter. Like, I, like I would look at people kept sending it to me, and I was like. This is so obvious. This is dumb. This is blue. So I thought it was like one of those things where it's like, well, okay, now that you responded, you got to send us <laughs> ten more assholes. Like, I couldn't believe that there's even a discussion on it. It's weird. Uh, it's fucking blue, motherfucker. See, that's, that to me is more interesting that he's ready to fight. Now, this one got knocked off uh, uh, as you did that. But to me, that is more interesting than what you see. <laughs> The fact of how angry you will get over it is why I think we have so many social problems. I feel crazy right now. Yeah. I think it's a gateway drug that's going to lead the kids into something. <laughs> this is like Black Mirror, really, it, depending on how you say it. <laughs> it's going to cause a divide in this country. I know that. I know that for sure. TJ in Jersey. You know, my mind is really twisted right now. It's not even just a visual thing with the dress, but audio-wise, you know, I, I know I'm listening to the Bennington show, yeah. but I keep on hearing, like, hey, you're live with Ron and Fez. I, I keep on... Oh, I say uh, that? You know, I don't I even don't know. hear you say I, that. I don't know. I think, I think you're saying Bennington, but I'm hearing Ron and Fez. Oh, okay. Because like, I, I didn't think I was... I think maybe yeah, I maybe when you go to calls you do it, but I don't hear you do it because I think I'm used to hearing you say Ron and Fez, so I don't even hear it. I don't even know. I think we just let him screw with us. Because <laughs> normally everyone jumps on me if there's even the slightest mistake. <laughs> At least those black and blue bastards do. Hey, what did you say? 
I last night I was driving along, and I thought I was getting off at my exit, but I got off into a black and blue neighborhood, <laughs> and it was disgusting. All right, I just saw it switch from black and blue back to golden white when I looked over. Wait. All right, try to try to just like go like that a little bit, mm-hmm. and you see the white turning. It looks bluer. So that may might make sense then, because. If you're squinting, you're probably straining your eyes more. If you have a film over your eyes, you probably see black and blue. (laughs) It's up on the Interrobang this morning. It's for you people that aren't on the Internet, I guess, because it swept through the Internet. It was just ridiculous how much people were dealing with it last night. This guy, Boogie, says, uh, last night I saw blue and black. This morning I could see gold and white. I'm putting a gun in my mouth. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Joseph said, I looked at that dress and pissed my pants and forgot who I was for a half hour. Hashtag Bennington. <laughs> this dress is white and gold. Great minds think alike. Hashtag Bennington. See, they're trying to get together. Yes. You whitey and goldies are all the same. Uh, here's, uh, Goofus and Gallant. Gallant hid in the corner and jerked off while Goofus got all the ladies. <laughs> See, I think it is, this is a Goofus and Gallant moment for people. I'd like to think that Goofus would see it blue and black. Um, it's insane. <laughs> Here, uh, Here's Jesse in New Jersey. You're on the Run of Fez show. No, Pennington. Oh, How's yeah. it going, You're on Bennington. There, Pennington? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned because I, uh, I actually see uh, blue and gold. Yeah, I, I kind of see that, too. Like, it's not perfectly black. It's like a, like a kind of muddy, goldy. No, there, there's brown. no black there at all. Just yeah, like it's not it. stark jet black. It's... I'll go with black, but I don't really think it's black. Uh, here is Daniel. You're on Bennington. Hey, I think that dress is pink and brown. Well, I think you're looking at your own stool. A <laughs> train just laughed at his face. <laughs> got him. You got him, man. Uh, Edgar, Burlington, New Jersey. Edgar, go ahead. You're on Bennington. Yeah, how come people don't have more controversies like this in real life? Like, if my wife thinks it's, what, gold and black or whatever the one version is, I think it's blue and black. But when we sit there and pick out colors for the house, when we paint, we're completely on board. No, this is too gray. This is too this. This is too that. But in real life, you know, I pull up and be like, hey, I bought a silver car. She's like, no, that's black. You know, that doesn't happen. So why is it this one picture that seems to have this big controversy? There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. People around the country are losing their minds. This could be the end of the planet as we know it. The blue and black, white and gold controversial. (laughs) Keep your children home from school today. Uh, UFOs were spotting above Akron, uh, Tucson, Brian in Miami. Hey, how's it going, Ron and Gail? Hey. Uh, so, Wired.com has an article about this, and they kind of explain it, and it's unfortunately very mundane. Um, the yeah, way I don't that, think I want to know. I don't think I want to know. I think it's better just to see how people uh, uh, react to it. Like Randy says, breaking news, ISIS claims responsibility. 
for post, posting hashtag the dress. Yeah, listen, oh, so the dress is the number one trend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Megan, Buffalo. You're on Run Fez. Or, or you're on Bennington. You're not on Run and Fez. <laughs> Later, there'll be a Run White and gold forever. If it's blue and black, the terrorists win. Hashtag Bennington. Hashtag my life has no meaning. Okay. Peace. I strongly disagree with that. Uh, Jim, Jersey, Bennington. Hey, Ronnie, this will freak you out. If you print that picture out, it turns to black and white. What does that mean? <laughs> Whoa. So weird. Mind aft. I really would kill myself right now <laughs> if I saw a black and white dress. <laughs> we should. Um, this is actually now more popular than any Oscar dress. <laughs> Will people start recreating this dress? Like uh, you'd be crazy not to. You'd be, ins- I, but I'm sure in real life we'd all see it the same thing, right? It's I think the d- actual textile we're going to see the same, right? But it's the image, whatever. But you make it seem like you could never live if you were colorblind. Like, how does anyone even know? Like, if you call something red and I call something red, we're seeing the exact same thing. We don't know. It's totally crazy. Yeah. Like. Does blue look like the sky and the water? Yeah, but, yeah, but maybe it, it looks like red to you. Yeah, maybe it looks like red. I know this. You live in hell, then. I always say this. Red skies at night. Oh, 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 The old sailor's delight. Freak, you're on Bennington. You know, I mean, we have so much discussion over it. You know, do you see blue? Do you see white or whatever? But I'm just, I just think we should have all the black and blue people rounded up and killed. They're going to ruin our fucking gene pool. Well, I would say that, but I've got some black and blue people in my family. And I think they're okay. I mean, they're just different. You know? You just have to see them for what they are. That's why we have to stick together. The black and blues. This just in, some golden white people were murdered on the outside of Manhattan just minutes ago, surrounded by a, uh, a crowd of black and blue freaks. Oh, my God, they're at the door. Uh, I don't know how much longer we can stay on the air. I just pissed myself and forgot who I was for a half an hour. That guy was a god who wrote that. It does seem weird that you and E-Rock see it the same way, and you guys are so much alike. I know. Like, you're both into collectibles. E-Rock, what's your show about later today? Uh, Later today, I have Frank Santopadre on. He's a comedy writer, TV producer, and he co-hosts the show with uh, Gilbert Gottfried and uh, another comedian, Lisa Carrero. Oh, geez. you're You're just doing a house of comics in there. Yeah, for today. Um. And what's Sam's show? Is it, once again, is it underground luchador wrestling? <laughs> uh, today, 3 p.m., Sam has uh, Will Forte on, Natasha Leggero, and Katie Lindendahl. Oh, Will Forte's doing my show, too, at, uh, when I get together with Fez at noon. I saw his little get-together, Last Man on Earth. And it is going to be a major, major television show. Fox has picked it up. Nice. Um, Love that Will Forte. Is it Will Forte or Will Farrell? How do you actually pronounce it? I think it's pronounced black and blue. 
Here is um, Rick. You're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Good. Listen, I got a couple of black and blue friends, and, uh, you know, I don't think we should hurt them. Well, they're not all, you know what? They're not all bad people. I mean, when you, you know, you talk to them one at a time, but when they get together, you know what yeah, I mean? You know, I did notice that the whole attitude of the room does change. When it does happens. change. It's a good yeah, point. You're right. You're yeah. right. And they all kind of lazy. All right. See, that's, wow. the, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I should have did that. Yeah. yeah. It's an uphill battle for us. I mean, it's it's like they expect a living from us, the white and golds. You know how, like, the black and blue people are like, yo, 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 and yeah. then, like, white gold people are like, yeah, <laughs> like that, that. Like you know? We do that, the way we walk, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, we don't know how to walk whole. Mm-hmm. And I also think you guys smell like wet dog. We do, but your music is better. True. Yeah, we seem to organize ourselves and save money. <laughs> <laughs> we raise our own children, which we're proud to do. Unbelievable. Skippy? Skippy. Hi, good morning. Uh, to me, the dress looks black and white. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, Colorado, you're on Bennington. Yeah, you guys, I don't see any colors, but I do smell weed and patchouli oil. Oh, <laughs> weed is so cool. <laughs> we just got legal in D.C. That's so right. Obama just sparked one up. Again. Again. We need a side-by-side picture. Obama is the first person who ever, like the first president who ever said he cut <laughs> rails. And everyone just let that go by completely. <laughs> Obama's like, yeah, line nights. I'll just chop it up. It, it, we're definitely past that point where we're going to pretend like that's a big deal, I think. If, if we want to have a president, we can't act like it's a big deal. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's just bizarre. And I really don't want to hear from people who only did something once. Because <laughs> that just meant they couldn't handle it. <laughs> I want to know I got a guy who can ride through the fire. You know what I mean? I want to know I got a guy who can I can fucking trust in a bad situation when shit gets really sideways. Yeah, you don't want like a president who like had one little dance with the devil and like wound up in the hospital or something. Yeah. Couldn't take it. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was crying and I thought if anybody talked to me, I'd get an orange juice. Remember that health the thing? She thought she was an orange, so she didn't want anybody to touch her. Or she'd turn an orange juice. Okay, now put your uh, books down. We're going to have a pop quiz. <laughs> what citrus did the acid taking girl <laughs> think she was going to be? A, grapefruit, B, lime, C, orange. I know this. I'm going to give you all a hit. It's orange. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to retake this test either. You know, I got a lot of plans this summer. My friend and I are going to Italy for three months. <laughs> like those teachers would always like t- tell you the story, but it was always like I went there with my friend. Mm-hmm. Both of us had summers off because we were teachers. Um, let's go over here to Anil, San Antonio. Hey, Ron, I originally saw white and gold. I went to the Vice article, saw a second picture, and now I see black and blue. I go to the Vice, uh, click through to the Vice. That's the one that A-Train tried to put us up for first, and it it destroyed the entire (laughs) um, fun of it all. 
slow moving son of a bitch, isn't he? <laughs> so you can see all three there, right? Right. But there I'm kind of seeing just like a washed out image, but I still see like light blue, medium blue, dark blue in all three images. Uh, I don't see dark in any of them, but I see that the last one is the black and blue. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but it doesn't look like a dark blue to you. No, it looks like a light blue and it doesn't even look like a black black. Yeah. It looks like a gray black. So that's probably like the original, what that looks like is probably the original of what I saw. There it just looks like washed out, but it still doesn't look white to me. It looks like really, really light blue. Hey, Trey, do they say why it happens? Something in how your the light reflects off of your cornea or something, uh, but it does say that people who see the blue and black have better eyes. Mm. Yeah, like I'm that. happy. I'm glad that you're the one that got the good eyes. <laughs> yeah. So the blue and blacks could be like in another year. Eyes. In another year, I probably won't even be able to see the computer screen the way things are going <laughs> with me, unless I get this thing removed. Unless a little kid dies and I can take his cornea. I'm hoping a little kid dies in a car accident and I get the corneas. <laughs> I saw a thing out of Italy. This doctor in Italy said within two years, he is, expects us to have head transplants. <laughs> head transplants? No. Yeah. They're called, okay, first of all, it would be called a body transplant. <laughs> You're your head. So <laughs> that's what you have. You don't get a new head. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. You are the head, really. The body is just there to walk the head around. That's the only reason for the body. It's like people say you are your soul or you're your heart. You're your head, I think. Just, this is really you. And even with the head, you're the inside of the head. You're the gooey middle of the head. You're not right. this part. Right. You're not the hard candy shell. Surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> What's that from? Um, it's from um, the Chris Farley movie. Oh, um, yeah. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. <laughs> I'm remaking that with uh, Melissa M McCarthy and calling it Tammy Boy. And it'll be just <laughs> her playing herself. That sounds great. Yeah. Every line will be the same. And just, David Spade will also be in it. And it's a reboot, right? Like as It's a reimagining, really. <laughs> okay. It's like I reimagined re it. See, I just saw a change. It's changing there. <laughs> is everybody saying that? <laughs> no. Or, or is my brain tumor really getting... Is it? Is the tumor leaning right against my brain? <laughs> uh, hey, Red, what's up, buddy? Hey, don't worry, Barack. I'll tell Max you're good in the pocket. <laughs> That's nice. You know, let me just tell you this. Now that I think Alaska is going, um, you can smoke weed there, but you can't buy it or sell it. In D.C., you can smoke weed. You can't buy it or sell it. Right. Uh, Colorado, wide open. Selling, buying, yeah. forcing it to people who don't want it. <laughs> Cops are pulling over people and just blowing a shotgun in their face. <sighs> but is anyone waiting? Is there any American who is waiting till it's legal and then trying it the first time? I I can't imagine these people exist. I I can't imagine anybody 
who wants to smoke. I mean, they must, right? I mean, somebody must feel that way. But it's hard to imagine an adult being like, oh, no, not until it's legal. I really well, want to smoke weed, but I'm well, going to hold out. But what, I don't... About, what about grandmas who didn't know and now they got glaucoma or whatever? So they're, sm- they're sparking up a dip. Sure, maybe like the elderly, but... But that's only because I think it's more accessible than like I just don't think like they're gonna go out and try to find a dealer. It's gonna be a But see, you know, it's but you know, that sounds weird to you, right? But a lot of people didn't gamble until casinos came around. You know, when casinos came around, a lot of people went like this. Hey, I never knew it, but I have a gambling problem. I just found out this weekend. (laughs) I'm 40 and I lost my house and my business. Because I knew two people in my town that lost their business after Atlantic City brought gambling in. A lady who had a great sandwich place for years went down there and was just like, this is great. And all of a sudden she's like, I've got to sell I'm like, what are you talking about? And then Was a bar. It hoagies? Yeah, she sold hoagies mm-hmm. and Buffin. Um, but yes, yeah, so people could find out. But it's kind of hard to imagine, like someone. Let's say you're at a party and everyone's smoking weed, and now someone who's like, oh, here, here you go. Oh, actually. That's illegal, but I would love to try that. When but do you legal. realize that a lot of people never went to parties where people were smoking weed? Like they didn't they didn't hang out with people? Yeah, I guess like that's more understandable is like that they don't want to like find an illegal drug. But if if given, if handed to them, they're going like, to try it. Yeah, like I don't think maybe what they're afraid of is like a drug deal <laughs> like they don't want like it to go down there but i don't think that's the actual real fun part of it that's the <laughs> missable part the tabooness of being involved in shenanigans do you think that people at weed dispensaries still like say like hey you gotta get any merch or what's going on like do they still try to use lingo because they've no i don't it? think so <laughs> i think they are annoying hipsters who sit and over talk about their product the way hipsters will talk about you know their products you know what i mean right. it's that deep if you're looking for a deep body high you know something like like this it comes on in the neck area and starts to move its way down you're like i don't think so it was like how beer was the new wine and now weed will be the new beer yeah it's gonna be Uh, well yeah you're right it's every product uh people are like that with cigars as well Mm -hmm. where they want to talk it's a wooden tape like people will come out uh, i'll be smoking a cigar out front and people first of all every black person says the same thing that a cuban they all say that a Cuban for no apparent reason. And I've learned just to say, yeah, it is. I got it from Cuba. Uh, but then, you know, people go, what are you smoking? And I'll just go, I'm smoking my own fucking business. I don't want you around here asking what it is. I don't want to be in a conversation about that. Yeah. If I'm eating a brownie, I don't want you to come over. What's, uh, what's in the brownie? What do you got there? Nuts? <laughs> little, little raisins? <laughs> Wouldn't that be creepy? Yes, it is creepy. It's totally creepy. But hearing anyone talk about, like, any food or drink, like, in great detail with that much passion is irritating. Like, wine people are annoying. Yeah, wine people are annoying, but now... And they say crazy things. They say insane things. I was speaking to a woman who was who she's a wine rep. That's what she does. Yeah. She's like very passionate about wine. And she was talking about a new wine that she had just tried. 
And she literally, this is how she described it. Wet. Sweat. Leather. Saddle. Barnyard. Fruit. Like, she just were, like, yelling these insane words at me. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm not even drinking this. You're just saying barnyard at my face? Just, Great. Just, <laughs> Old. <laughs> kind of spoiled. <laughs> Corpsey. <laughs> she thought that she was playing password with you. Like, you're supposed to lean in and go like this. Wine? Ding, 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 ding. Why do you want to drink something that tastes like sweat? I, I don't. But, you know, don't fool me. Like, Barnyard, I know what you're saying. You're saying it tastes shit. like shit. Yeah. And you're saying that as a positive. But they're saying dirt all the time, too. With like, yes. There's a dirt. It's very earthy. There's a dirt wooden sickness. It's like a sickness. Like a puke. <laughs> like a puke, but an older person's puke that laid on the ground for a while. You want to buy this? <laughs> And you're just like, I just want to get a buzz, lady. But, you know, they start to do that now with the apps. It's an oyster with a sea foam on a bed of, just tell me you got oysters. Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out while I'm eating it. <laughs> and then you can be like, I like this or I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> more oysters, please. Two more buckets. <laughs> um, They do this because... I think a lot of people want to be told something because it makes them feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Like if they're told, well, this person who's obviously an expert feels good about it, then I'll buy it without thinking about it. Yeah, of course. And also when all of those descriptive words about wine, they're all relative. Like it's all taste. So it's like, oh, you're getting like fruit. I'm getting shoe leather notes. You know yeah. what I mean? It's really like the black and blue, white and gold. Always like this. Mm. Is that a baby's tooth? <laughs> I just found a baby's tooth in this wine. I was sucking it. I was up like, may have had a cavity. <laughs> like the baby's sweet tooth. Or is that a raccoon's tooth? I don't know what this is. We'll just go on those wine. That's actually not wine. Yeah. I've been at meetings before where people said they knew that they had a real problem because they were at those wine tasting events and they were going like this. Hurry up. Let's just do the next one. Let's just drink it and stop talking about it. Like they could tell that the wine walking around and right. was no driving them nuts. Not seeing the point of spitting the wine out. <laughs> no. Suck it down, <laughs> swallow, get more of it. <laughs> like a big glass, like a whole big glass filled of it, please. But see, that's why I, when I look at people and like they think and, uh, and talk about wine all day and then they go, but I never drink enough to get drunk. I'm always like, well, then what is wrong with you? You know what I mean? Well, like what kind of ridiculous person are you that you're obsessed with wine and you don't get drunk from it? I know. That's you're, a lot of empty calories. You're no an good idiot reason. now. <laughs> I understand a wino. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. A wino who would stab someone in the neck just to drink this. That's who really likes wine. Someone who would take a brick, throw it through a window, and grab the wine and pull it out. That is a connoisseur. You're like a weird person. <laughs> now, 
This is the thing. I can understand most addictions until you get to gambling. And then I'm like, I don't get that one at all. I think I would have agreed with you until I went to Saratoga. Went on down to Saratoga. You like the ponies. My horse naturally won. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Yeah. Hit the, the trifecta. It was crazy. The, the the thrill of that kind of win. It was nuts. I was yeah. freaking out. Actually, the first the first race. Okay, this is how it happened. Because I was, you know, I don't know anything about horse racing. I'm just like going for fun. And I said, the first horse that I see, that's the horse that I'm going to bet on. Right. And I saw like coming out of the, the paddock or something. Yeah, the paddock. And saw a horse, placed a bet on it. The horse came in first. I was flipping out. I mean, like, I wasn't, like, betting a lot. It was just a little. But then I got very confident. Next race, hit the trifecta. And I felt crazy. It was, like, the best feeling you ever. And I was I like, I get it. I understand gambling now. Because I never understood slot machines. That doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. I don't understand why anybody would just, like, take their money and then watch it disappear. And, like, you're not even, like, getting anything fun out of that. Like, there's no pleasure in that. There's nothing fun about it. A race is fun. But see, here's the thing. You were already magic thinking. Like you saw a horse first. Yeah. You bet him. Everything aligned. Boom. That meant that your next race was. So yeah. suddenly you're not living in reality. Oh, no. You're living in a crazy other world where you. You're like, holy shit. Did you see in the next race? There's a Kokomo Joe running. I have a friend named Joe who drinks cocoa. That's gotta be it. That's what the universe is trying to tell me. That's how crazy we get. But when you're losing at a horse race, you're still like there's still a sort of like the adrenaline. Pomp. Yeah, the adrenaline. There's a like a pomp and circumstance to the whole thing. There's real, like... yeah, real gamblers. Yeah, you're right. Every addiction has a ritual to it. Yeah. The ritual always plays a big part. So that's why they bring them out and the colors and the horses are and everyone's watching as they're going through and you're like all is right with the world. But real gamblers will say it's that moment right before they find out whether they win or lose. It's not winning or losing. It's not like I'm winning so now I'm going to pay off my kids college education because you don't do that. You go back to the track and you get more juice. That feeling of have I risked everything or am I going to get everything? Right. I could be caught in a bad place is what they want. Yeah, I That's think... That's what's wrong with you, blowing black sayers. <laughs> I think that I can understand it better, but it didn't make me want to, like, go to races, like, every day and, like, throw... But I at least could you understand... Don't live, you don't live next to a track either. I mean, for you to go to Saratoga right. is a big deal. It might be a problem. Do you think you would uh, try watching it online and saying, you know, because you can bet online and watch the races online, see if that's as much fun for you? I doubt it. I mean, I could probably have a little fun, but I don't think it would be as fun as being there. This is the thing. Our phones are now casinos and people are sitting yeah, and betting. That's pretty scary, actually. Yeah. How Our, is that legal? It's kind of it, weird when it, you think about it. Because it's international. Right. You're betting with people who aren't Americans. Yeah. When you're betting football, that stuff is in some other c country. Um, it's a shame they don't like they don't have OTBs anymore in the city, so you can't. Because even... your phone is an OTB. I know, but I think. Oh, an OTB was never a fun place. It was a disgusting. It place. Was, <laughs> yeah. Right, that's true. Yeah, I it was like the were... worst kind of place. <laughs>
Um, but, you know, your phone is, uh, it's a casino, it's, it's a pornography store, it's everything that we used to try to keep out of the cities is now right in our phone. Like, mm-hmm. we have to clean up our neighborhoods, but people now carry that around in their pocket. Yeah. Everything that we were worried about before. And children have access to it, too. Children are sitting there just gambling. <laughs> like, come on, sweet baby. Come on, Chismas. That was my Children say, can I put this on your contact list? <laughs> That's what's crazy about it. Um, all right, John wants to help you with your horse uh, betting. Okay. Go ahead, John. Uh, I just want to help nip this in the bud before it becomes a problem. Gail romanticizes it and everything, but I'd really like to introduce you to Chris Stanley. Yeah, he never wins anything. (laughs) Oh, he likes to go up to Saratoga. He goes to Saratoga. He bets and loses on sports every weekend. I mean, he's basically John uh, James Conn and the Gambler. I haven't heard. Do we break today, or we just keep going as long as we want? I've never gotten any. Updates, but it seems like we've been in here hour 20. Does it matter, Iraq? It doesn't matter, but you can break if you want. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. That's what I say. Want to go the distance? We can. <laughs> oh, man. And you're, are you I'll telling me he's not going to care if we go to the distance? No. Because we'll uh, we'll get out probably about nine thirty, <laughs> and then and then we uh, wait half an hour until accelerating. I know that you think that that's okay, but I've seen Don lose it over that shit. <laughs> we give him thirty minutes worth of spots, and then we drop accelerated on their asses, which everybody loves. Uh, I know you made the accelerated. I think last week or the week before you. Is that right? Yeah, and that's when they accelerate through all the shows that are here on OP Radio. Exactly. Oh, I like that show. I like that show. I like that show. Uh, there's Sam. I like that show. I like that show. I like that show. <laughs> Sam again. I think it was a clip where you guys were talking about can you really write music and do art if you're rich? Yeah, we always. Yeah. You know, I was actually talking to somebody else about that this week. Oh, Kim Gordon. And yeah. I, I know what I she that. said. Uh, she'll never be played again because she would not sign. The whatever you're supposed to sign. So, like, um, the release, release form. form? Yeah. Leeds mm. said to us, never play, replay Kim Gordon. And I go, there would never be a problem with that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like I was a dentist in the Old West. Yeah. She's a tough nut to crack. She wrote the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, she wasn't, I didn't send people out to capture her and bring her in here. <laughs> It's your book. Read it to me. (laughs) Yeah, but see, if we don't break, then we never get to play any Kinks songs. What do you want to play next? I mean, should we... Spoiler alert? Yeah, all right. We won't spoiler alert. We'll be right back. (laughs) It's Bennington. You're listening to Bennington on Opie Radio, XM 103, Sirius 206. Man, a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. Man, a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. 
But I think all the time, is she true to me? Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. I found out I was wrong, she was just too timely. Found out I was wrong. She just kept on lying. Now she tries to tell the truth, and I just can't believe. 'Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. Tell me who can I turn to? Just who can I believe? Just my pride. 'Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. 'Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. The house band for Bennington this morning. Gail's pick, The Kinks. The Kinks. Great, great band. So good. When, uh, certainly underappreciated. When did you have uh, Ray Davies in? I've had Ray Davies in three or four times over. He's normally got some album or book. He's always fascinating and smart. And um, if you'd like, the next time he comes in, I'll have him. I'll have you here for it. I would like we'll that. We'll do that as a and We'll just sit and pepper him with questions. Now tell me if this is crazy. I have always thought this. It's a weird connection. I think that Ray Davies looks like Anna Paquin. Ray Davies, Anna Paquin. I've never seen it. I'm going to tell you the truth. I think they weirdly look alike. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I understand they both have like the interesting... Like gap, which is like kind of a cute thing on both of them, but I think facially they actually really do look alike. All right, so now we have your opening question for when Ray Davies comes in. <laughs> um, look at the, okay the the third one. Yeah, look at that. That looks like Anna Paquin. All right, let me see a picture of Anna Paquin. Act three, in which it plays out. You know, um, you were her reason for coming here. <laughs> Yeah. There's your almost famous. <laughs> There's your almost famous. Yeah, we needed that. <laughs> this, they, All right. There's this a like, similarity one that I never saw coming. I think I think they look at least like related. 
it it's very strange, but I see it every time I see her face. I'm like, oh, like a little lady Ray Davies. Lady. And that's why my mother named me Lady. That's why my mother named me Lady. Now you know all my secrets. That is the <laughs> nuttiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that maybe Anna Paquin is Ray Davies brought back from the death even while he's still alive. It's possible. Anything's possible after that blue and black, white and gold. The whole world is a fluid wonderland. Yeah. Well, you know, because of that black and blue thing, I made a couple jokes. I see gold and white. I made some jokes, jokes, mind you, about black and blue people. And now Joe DeRosa won't be friends with me anymore and doesn't want to do the show. So, I don't understand it. Dude, if you got a problem, come to me. I'm glad to talk about it. But don't tell me you can't face your friends. I'm talking about the way we look at a dress. <laughs> he turned and he smashed his I, head against the window. So he can never once say that he doesn't think that I'm funny. <laughs> that, that image is stuck with me now, Iraq. And I know you'll never be able to say, I never found him funny anyway. <laughs> You know, we were playing the kinks, which have been brought back to life. And oddly, only a certain period of the kinks because of Wes Anderson. Yeah. Not not necessarily the popular period of the kinks, at least in the Americas. Yeah, I guess like, well, that that song would have been what? Like, that's late 60s, probably. That that went into their not. And what's Lola, 70s? Low, I think, is her early 70s, yeah. yeah. I believe the... Well, it would be interesting to know who was first with doing the, the, the transgender song, The Kinks or Lou Reed. Both around the same period, I believe. Right. Um, I don't know what that would be, what year the, um, the Lou Reed song was. Early 70s as well. Um, so here's what I was going to do, bring up to you about the Wes Anderson, though. Uh, if there is a situation where you, uh, I think that like directors will use their favorite actors and different things. Yeah. Almost like their muse, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes because I think they like having that person around or they like their acting, but other times no one does their dialogue better than them, right? Yeah. Um, That's true. So if I were to say to you, who does Wes Anderson dialogue the best? Obviously you would look at the Wilson brothers. Sure. From because they were in the first film together, then you've got to think Jason Schwartzman. But is there also the? Is there also a Bill Murray? Yeah, absolutely. There? I mean, I think that he, I think he writes parts for Bill. In a like, I don't know. I think he sees him in a really cool way. So you know who, what I mean? Who? Yes. But I think if if you have to say which one of those is sort of like the definitive Wes Anderson actor, I would have to say Owen Wilson because I think even down to his cadence right. and his like the just general like weirdness of the way he is, I think that that fits him best. I would agree with everything you said, and then I'm still I'm still uh, picking Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman? Yeah. 
because I think he's even more sensitive than Owen. I think he's closer in personality to Wes Anderson yeah. than Owen. The Wilson brothers always remind me of, hey, how did this uh, guy get to hang out with this, these rough boys? Because yeah. <laughs> I could just see the Wilson brothers busting up a house or a party and having a hell of a time. I can't see Wes Anderson that way. Now, have you heard the story about uh, Jason Schwartzman, like how he ended up playing Max Fisher and Rushmore like they had envisioned the character completely different. No, and even though I've had him on the show before and he said he'd do an unmasked, I I don't know this story. So it's they were doing casting call after casting call looking for who would play Max Fisher. Yeah. And they had this idea in their mind that Wes Anderson had this um sort of young James Dean kind of character. Like, it was totally different. 1,000% yeah. different. Could not be more different than Jason Schwartzman. And Jason Schwartzman showed up, and he, like, showed up in a school uniform and just, you know, played the character just as Max Fisher, and he was like, it changed the whole movie for him. I love that. So now, now I'm feeling better about what I said. Yeah. So, in that way, maybe he's like the muse... The, the super muse. The super muse. He's the super muse. All right. Now, there's one thing to have a muse because you want to have him around. Like, if we were to do this with Richard Linklater, there's no doubt that Ethan Hawke, he sees as some version of himself. Yeah. You know? Or some spectacular. But what if you, if you looked at, let's say, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith loves muse. You know what I mean? That's his guy. Muse is his muse. Muse is his <laughs> muse. And yet, I would make the point, no one does Kevin Smith dialogue as good as Jason Lee. No. I think that it brings the best out of what he's capable of is when Jason he's, Lee is... Jason Lee somehow sounds incredibly natural doing that dialogue as if he's thinking of it that moment. Yeah. And that's not easy for, on a lot of actors. Like, no, they, a lot of actors struggled with it. I think. Well, his. I don't even think Kevin Smith talks like his dialogue. Like when you see Kevin Smith talk, and he's a great speaker, and I'll go into different types of things. Even that dialogue is different from him. It's almost like it's perfect for Jason Lee above all else. And you would agree with that one? Absolutely, definitely. Some of these will, you know. Some of these are slam dunks, but other ones I think are are weirder. I always think it's interesting to the people who put women, the same women, in their movie, like a Woody Allen. Yes. He, if he's dating you, you're starring in his film. And I guess that's probably, um, like, even more so Muse-like, I think, the way he uses right. it. Like, maybe somebody like... Kevin Smith, maybe he writes some things and he thinks of Jason, um, Jason Lee in those. But I think that he actually draws from like those women. Like I think he obviously drew from Diane Keaton. He drew from um, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow, more so, I guess. I mean, that was his. Um, I I would I disagree more so because I think it's think? Diane Keaton. But here's the weird thing about Woody: those girls start to talk and dress like him. Yeah, I mean it's almost like Scientology. It's pretty it's pretty strange how all the women in Woody Allen's films. Emma just, Stone is doing it yeah, now. They just talk like Woody Allen. But is it that 
do you think that she learns like, oh, this is how people talk in Woody Allen movies? Or do you think that he has some sort of like dynamic, I don't know, presence that when you're with him, you just like start to lean into all of his like little character? Yeah, but it doesn't look like it's a fun way to actually feel and behave <laughs> in real life. I think I would despise it. All right, let me give you Marty Scorsese. Which one is him? Is it Bobby De Niro or is it Leo DiCaprio? His latter day. Mm. I guess I'm going to say De Niro more so because I think De Niro maybe encapsulates something that he, not that he wants to be, but like, I you know, think like. I it's what he wanted to be. Yeah. I think he wanted to be the tough Italian kid. Yeah. And he was the sickly one. But I'm going to say something that sounds like cruel. I think he just uses Leo because Leo can get movies greenlit. That's that's very possible. Yeah, because that was kind of a weird connection that ended up happening there. Like I, like it was strange that he adopted him into all of his. I think movies. Leo came to him with an open heart, and then I think he went, "Oh, okay, this kid is, uh, you know, he's he's a fast train to greenlight town." Yeah. Box office gold. Yeah, I'm gonna have him around. Boy, nobody lives out there like that Leo, do they? Mm-mm. It's his world. Now, Ed Burns, uh, Michael McGlone, are you familiar with him, Michael no, McGlone? I don't know who You that will is. if you... Let's just have a clip of Brothers McMullen, anything with Michael McGlone in it. Um, off the YouTube... And you will know him immediately, and only from Ed Burns movies and very little else. Um, let's see if we can't play a clip here of this, the sound up. And he's protected by his all-important shield. But when a woman comes along, you know, she sees this bright beast, and she wants it. Come on, Jack. Kiss me. But she's not happy with it the way it is. Ooh, I remember the days when you used to say, I'll never be too tired for sex. So she starts to peel away the all-important shield. First, she wants to see your romantic side. You've never been in love, have you? Then she wants to see your passionate side. And remember, I'm Catholic. I shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Then she That's Michael McGlone. Right. soft, caring, feminine side. Friendship. Yeah. Gotcha. Not love. No. And she keeps peeling and peeling. I guess I've only seen him in, in his movie. Yeah, he mainly does. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting new ideas, all right? I'm confused enough already. He's great. Yeah, yeah. And he's like perfect in these movies. And I don't know if he's perfect anywhere else. I don't know if anyone else is all that even uh, comfortable with him. All right, I'm going to give you another one. Judd Apatow. Is it Seth Rogen? Is it Jonah Hill? Is it Paul Rudd? Or is it... Leslie Mann. Hmm. I'm going to go Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah. I think that he taps into, like, all of the notes there. You know what I mean? Like, comedic, and then there's, like... The sensitive dad sensitive guy. Dad yeah. Sort of, a, sort of a sad sack situation. He's put him in right. a couple times. Wanting to be cool, but not exactly cool. And considering that he continues to have him 
hop in bed with his wife. I, I think he sees himself somehow like this is his surrogate him in his films. I still think I think it's Leslie Mann. I think the driving force in every Apatow film is her. And she can even if the uh, even if she's playing a smaller part, that film can be going in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> and when she walks in, it, it almost jerks the film back in the other direction. I think she I think she is the is the thing for him. And I always think it will be. I always think it's Leslie Mann. Uh, what about the Coen brothers with Francis McDormand? It's almost the same situation. It might be a big part. It might be a small part. Yeah. I mean, they certainly have a lot of players, but I think that the way she's she is used in their films is just phenomenal. And what she does with their work is incredible. I think what John Goodman does in their films. I think if you, if John Goodman... Only made Coen Brother films, nothing else. People would sit around and go like this. Best actors of all time, probably Brando, Goodman, <laughs> Pacino. You know what I mean? Like, he's that good in those movies. Has anyone utilized him the way Nobody. they have? Nobody. Nobody has jumped on. Oh, clearly they when see something devious in him. Yeah, when John Goodman passes away, and hopefully it's a million years from now, but they will put together his best of clips, and it'll be ninety nine point nine percent with the Coen Brothers, and then something from Roseanne, <laughs> when I he's like it. telling Roseanne, um, uh, you know, I want a jacket. Here's uh, Coral Westchester, best Chester. Hey guys, just want to see uh, for John Hughes. Do you think his muse would be John Candy or uh, Anthony Michael Hall? Uh, I don't think it's John Candy. Yeah. I think Anthony Michael Hall is probably the bite down spot there. Mm -hmm. You know, and cool. again, I, I think he also probably uses him like the surrogate, like like the way I was saying. Like, yeah, it's like oh, let him, you know, act out my own experiences or who I was in high school. Or, right. I get the feeling that that's kind of why he locked into that kid. It's always funny to me when a director does that. I mean, obviously Cameron Crowe did do that and almost famous, but that uh, thing you do, that little drummer is so Tom Hanks that it's actually oh, yeah. like you just want to say to Tom Hanks, do you get that you just wanted to, to be in this movie? <laughs> get the girl, not do much and get the girl. Yeah, it's almost like the opposite of the Scorsese thing where I think De Niro is like this heightened sense of like something he aspired to be or like at least romanticized this yeah. idea. And so he's like, this is like almost a, not a better me, but a different me. A, mean a, a, a me that I can put out there without worrying about it. I, yeah. It would be the best part of me. Like Quentin Tarantino, when you first saw Reservoir Dogs, I thought he, he and Michael Madsen are going to be together forever. Mm -hmm. And because I could tell that he put any sense of cool on Michael Madsen. But after Pulp Fiction and then after that, it's all Sam Jackson. Yeah. Sam Jackson is everything that, you know, that whatever exists in that head of his, in, in Quentin's head. And he, it gives him a chance to say the end bomb. Yeah, it really gives him the freedom he's he feels he so deserves. <laughs> but if you really think about it, the speech that he wrote for Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction is so nutty 
that it may have been the stupidest thing by anybody else. You're talking about the diner, the, the diner, diner speech, speech yeah. yeah. And uh, Sam Jackson makes it, you know, <laughs> makes it shine, makes it work. That's very true. Now yeah. it's iconic. Um, here is uh, Sean. Sean, you're on the run of Fez show. Bennington show. Yeah, Bennington yeah, I show. actually disagree. I think John Hughes news was more uh, Molly Ringwald than anything else. You know, Molly Ringwald is a good call. True. Yeah, he saw beauty in her that I don't think any other director saw. That's why he directed her, or he cast her, excuse me, time... But also think how much she looks like Anthony Michael Hall. You know what I mean? Like, she is, like, the girl version of Anthony Michael Hall. They could be, like, brother and sister. Or the same weird transgender person. <laughs> um, I don't know. I got to tell you the truth, though. There's something about him that just likes the age. You know, the John Hughes only really does good, you know, just... Loves the fact that people are just about an uncool 15 or 16, <laughs> yeah. you know? He works in a very narrow zone of life. Yeah, that's all of it for him. Although planes, trains, and automobiles is one of the best things ever. You know, I had to break my myself away from watching Diner this morning. When really? I woke up, I, I had... Uh, you know, record a diner, and I'm like, uh, I'm watching like 15 minutes of it. I'm like, fuck, I wonder if I should just call off today. Just sit at home and watch Diner. This movie's so good. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a really long time. Like, I saw it when I was young, so I feel like I couldn't even, I couldn't even like give you a synopsis of it. Like, I can't even remember exactly all that happens. It's, it's been a, a long time. It's a coming of age film. Sure. <laughs> How writers and directors love when we come of age. <laughs> Uh, there must be something where you go like I've got a movie idea it's about two people in their 40s no don't want to hear anymore no thanks I'm sorry two people that are 15 yeah go on (laughs) so now you've piqued my interest (laughs) yes so it's like a new school they're starting to have sexual feelings for the first time is it because everyone has gone through it is that why it's like everyone was 15 once well it's because uh, so many teens go to movies and they only know how to react if they see teens but Adults also are very like love nostalgia. Like they love to think about. Here's what adults want: they want to go back to that age and do it right this time. Mm-hmm. They want to take their middle-aged brain, shove it into a teenage boy's head, and then cheat at life <laughs> and do everything right. I've decided I'm not going to that party. I'm going to study for my SATs. <laughs> And then have sex with that girl over there by tricking her with my now adult mind. <laughs> I won't be intimidated anymore. I won't be afraid to talk in front of the class or learn the twist. <laughs> Why didn't I twist when I had the chance? <laughs> That's the thing about life. If you look backwards... You would go like, why did I give a shit about that? Oh, everything. Everything yeah. feels like that. You'll think about something that happened last year, and you're like, man, I really made a big deal out of that, and it, it ended up just panning out, and everything was fine. Making a big deal out of nothing is the the worst thing that you could do, and it's probably the most common mistake. Yeah. 
I think also, or if you think about any job that you've ever had that's now in the past. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's different for you because you have like an actual career. No, but. no, no, no. No, I agree. <laughs> like I shouldn't have made a bigger deal out of it as I did. Yeah. There are things that at the time just felt like so make or break. And then you're like, if we don't get this, <laughs> yeah. we're dead. And we all tell it to each other. Everything's on the line. <laughs> And it's never true. It's there's always another day until you die, and after that, what do you? What is there to worry about? Not a damn thing. Not a GD thing. <laughs> um. Hey, Paul. Paul, you're on hashtag Bennington. Paul. What's up? Hi, Paulie. Yeah. Um, I think you guys have put a lot on the actors, but so? when you see these great directors, writers, the dialogue, you always the director always comes through. So if you're in a Wes Anderson movie, you become a Wes Anderson type actor. You see these actors in other movies, and they're they're different characters. But when you're in a Wes Anderson movie, you become a Wes Anderson. Or if you're in a Quentin Tarantino, when you hear them speaking that dialogue, you know it's him talking. Right. So you relate to him as that style. But what if they actor. showed up, like, what if they showed up as, like, a Scorsese actor in the middle of a, a Wes Anderson? Twisting around. Twisting yeah. around. They're like, excuse me, I'm here to drive a taxi. No, you're not going to drive a taxi. We're doing something else. Okay? We're in Rushmore. You know who lives in that apartment? I mean, I, I know you don't know who lives, but do you know who lives in that apartment? Yes, I do know. Mrs. Edelstein. Bennington lives in that apartment, and that's my wife with him. Thank you. Nice discussion, guys. All right, great discussion. <laughs> Glad we could do it. Uh, but let's take a Spielberg. Who's his guy? Is it Harrison Ford because he's indie? Is it Tom Hanks because they seem to be in love with each other now? Or is it Richard Dreyfus, who he did his best films with? Yeah, I guess my my instinct was to go. Sorry, my instinct was to go with Richard Dreyfus because probably that's where all of the good ones exist yeah. within that. Um, but maybe it's Harrison Ford or something. I, I no, I think it is Richard Dreyfus. I think it's it Richard Dreyfus for yeah. me. When Spielberg was great. Yeah, I, I hope he's not listening because he'll feel bad about himself. But I mean, you're still great. You're still your great, way. but more in like in a Tom Hanksy way <laughs> instead of a great Richard Dreyfus way. Now I have one for you, and I think that this one is like an actual pure muse situation. Where okay, so I think- let me get this straight. Your 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 example is great, and mine have been crap. Gotcha. No, I'm saying. I understand. <laughs> no, I'm saying this is where the director is completely inspired by the actor. All right. And I think they go together. If you take one out, you'll kill. you ruin the legacy. You'll kill the other. Okay. And that's John Waters and Divine. I think Divine was in, like a pure muse to John Waters. I would agree with that. And I feel like there's been a sadness about John Hughes the rest of his life after Divine. Like a piece of him died. I think that is very true. Yeah. Like that they were 
like one organism in a weird way. And also, like we talked with the Scorsese thing, I think Divine was able to do things that like brought things out in him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think Divine gave him a lot of bravery. Yeah. Because he was able to say, well, that's Divine doing that thing. Of course, yeah. I love the doing a mess with John Waters. He's so rad. I brought it up to my guys, and they're like, no, we just want you to do Unmasked with crappy people. That is boring. <laughs> really? They said that? That's they a- kind of said it under their breath. Oh. Because they don't want me to be happy. <laughs> That's their main goal. You cannot be happy. Uh, we need to break again to play a little catch up here. It is the Bennington Show... Uh, today, uh, if you like to talk about anything, it's uh, 866-766-0339. It's hashtag Bennington on the Twitterverse, hmm. uh, where all the crazy dress stuff started. And uh, we'll be right back. This is Bennington, OP Radio, XM 103, Sirius 206.
today on Bennington. Nice call. So good to have them here. It is nice to have them here and having them back together. You know, they've talked time and time again about reforming and and doing one more tour, and Rolling Stone brings it up every six months, but I haven't seen it happen yet. You can also see Ray Davies in a lot of pubs in Manhattan. He's He likes a working class bar. This is oh, what yeah. he likes. I'm going to try to find him. It's Bennington. I'm going to try to find him. Ron Bennington, Gail Bennington, no relation. Hmm. Uh, just hanging out together, playing a little music, talking about the kinks. It was a sunny afternoon. On just this beautiful <laughs> sunny afternoon. You're being very radio with that. I know. It's a sunny afternoon. You're here. Hey, guys. It's another sunny afternoon. I love Radio Girl. Radio Girl is that raspy uh, voice girl who knows a couple facts about the song and then throws you into it and lets you go. I was going to go into Almost Famous again, but I understand <laughs> no, that I do it a lot. Don't. She's just like, we've got Lester Bangs here from Cream Magazine. <laughs> the Doors? He's just throwing her shit around. Hey, that's our playlist, Lester. <laughs> She's like, isn't it a little early for the Stooges? <laughs> Iggy Pop! <laughs> yeah, she does not come off sounding like a, a morning DJ, though. You yeah, know I mean? she's got the gravelly late night voice. She's more of the late nights. Hanging with you till. <laughs> They're always hanging with you till a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> hanging with you till 11. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid, my dad stepped on my throat, and now I work in radio. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he kicked me in my windpipe until I got a job doing late nights in K-Rock. I remember when I was young, I used to listen to a chick who was on um, The Crow with you guys. I remember she was yeah. um, Sam I Am, yeah. and she had that like really good gravelly. This like, is Sam gravelly. I Am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved her. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> um, and then she see here's the thing about when you're a girl and you work in radio you either have dated a couple of the bands mm-hmm. or record guys <laughs> sometimes both <laughs> um, here is Sean Sean uh, you're on Bennington how you doing buddy hey what's going on great show guys it is great <laughs> Roddy, uh, why did the Kinks get banned from touring in America? Do you know? It had something to do with a green card. Maybe one of them was too young or screwed up with like the union thing here because it used to yeah. be a lot more unionized. But it, then it took a, a couple of years to get back. Oh, I see Ken Shane is here, and he will almost definitely know the answer to this. Ken, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Ron, how are you? What was the reason that the Kinks were kept out of America for like four or five years? 
Well, it's a great part of the story, actually. From what I understand, maybe it's apocryphal, but the, the last time they were in New York, before they were banned, and they were banned by the Musicians Union, was that Ray and Dave got into a fistfight on stage, and they were banned for several years from playing, at least in New York. Um, and my story kind of comes into play when they made their grand return to Lincoln Center for their first concert in New York after that ban. What year was that? It must have been early, very early 70s, 70, 71, because the story revolves around the playing of the song Ape Man, which would have to be early 70s, right? Yeah. So, so they're singing Ape Man, and uh, Ray starts stumbling backwards, and he's stumbling, and he, and he keeps thinking, well, he's going to stop, right? He's going to catch himself and return to the microphone, but he keeps stumbling, he keeps stumbling, and finally, he stumbles back into the, you know, you remember in the old days, he used to have these kind of wall of big amplifiers. Sure. And he stumbles into it, and the whole stack, like, falls down on And the theater goes dead quiet, except for one thing. Dave, sensing his opportunity, immediately runs to the microphone and starts singing. <laughs> um, they finally get Dave to shut up, and it's all kind of dark in the theater, and nobody knows what's going on, and you see, like, roadies with flashlights kind of shining them under the amp stacks where Ray is buried. And this, I don't know, it seems to go on for minutes and minutes, and, and nobody knows what's going on, and there's a hush over the crowd, and nobody's saying anything. And finally, after what, uh, again, what seems like about 10 minutes, all of a sudden you hear from beneath the stacks, I'm an eight man, I'm an eight <laughs> man, I'm an eight man. It's just one of the most memorable things. I, I've seen a lot of concerts, but that's one of the things that, that just has stuck with me over the years. It was fantastic. That was really, really Sorry. funny. All right, thanks, yeah. man. You bet. See Ken you. Shane uh, knows all, tells all. Uh, by the way, this is real weird because they said Will Forte uh, is coming in later today, and he's in this TV show, The Last Man on Earth. And that's like the first song of the whole series is Ape Man. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. It but is. It's, it's the um, like the actual theme, or it's just like no, they use it? It's just, it's just used. You know how like... That's they, a weird one, Ape Man. It's a strange one, yet it makes total sense to me. I think I'm sophisticated because I'm never my life like a good homo Multiplying and they're walking around like flying <laughs> So I'm no better than the animals sitting in their cages in the zoo, man. Cause compared to the flowers and the birds and the trees, I am an ape man. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized. Cause I'm a strict vegetarian. With the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians. about I think if you go back to the kink stuff the first stuff right like you really got me it's just this 
really badass rock and roll just thrown in your face. Then he kind of becomes Lennon and McCartney. Mm -hmm. And then in the 70s, it's like he's writing novelty tunes. Yeah, it's this like is the, so bizarre. Like, that almost sounds like it could be like a Violet Femme song. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, his, like his voice is very similar to, um, what's, what's that, uh, the singer of uh, Violet Femmes? I can't think of his name. The singer of Violent Femmes, that's what they call him. I can't think. Just Mr. Violent Femme. Mm, I hate when I can't think of it. Why is that the big part of the story? Well, I guess it's not. It really isn't at all. <laughs> Plus, uh, A-Train is looking it up for you. Gordon, is that it? Gordon Goodell. It is? Oh. I guess I, I wouldn't have got it then. <laughs> There was like it wasn't something that you forgot. You just never knew it. I never knew it. Never knew it at all. Uh, it's eight six six seven six six zero three three nine eight six six seven six six zero three three nine hashtag Bennington for you Twitter tweeters that are tweeting out all of your Twitterness. Um, some stuff up on the iBank today. T.J. Miller uh, does a story about why comedy is the new rock and roll. Uh, Bill Cosby has put out a thing that says, I'm far from finished. And I hope that doesn't mm. mean drugging and raping women. I hope. Mm. I really hope he's finished. Yeah, I hope, that he, that, I hope you've stopped with that part of it. Just kind of hoping for a retirement on that one. Yeah, just slow it down a little bit if you can. Uh, great video, kids trying breakfast from other countries, which is always really funny. But I don't know of anyone who does breakfast like the U.S. Mm -mm. We tend to have a giant breakfast. Well, the English have the full English breakfast, yeah. which is uh, similar in like size to like a big American breakfast. Yeah. But then instead of potatoes, you have baked beans. There's also a roasted tomato on there. Like there's some weird stuff. But it's like I think sunny side eggs, beans, roasted tomato, toast. It's like toast and jams. <laughs> toast and jams. Perhaps. But don't you think people just have what's what they're used to or what mm -hmm. they have. Like, I'm sure, like, back in the Old West, they probably just had leftovers mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. Like, here's some venison mm -hmm. and less leftover biscuits. There are plenty of uh, countries that don't get into a big breakfast, and I can't understand that. Some... As an American, I think I have been taught to believe... This is the big, this is the big Well, meal. we were told it's the most important meal of the day. And I believe them. Any other meal is not that important. <laughs> um, you want to eat, what do you want for dinner tonight? It's, it's not, not important. <laughs> What's important is we had sausage this morning. And now I'm just shooting through the day like a jet. I think, I always like to say that a late night snack was the most important meal of the day. <laughs> or drunk food. Food that could be eaten when drunk that would never be eaten any other time. Never be eaten again. Like you have to be pretty drunk before you even get the thought, Jack in the Box. <laughs> I mean, you know how loaded you have to be before you'll say to someone, White Castle. White Castle is a different experience, sober versus drunk. I don't know if it can be done sober. 
I've done it and it's not good. It's not a good idea. I didn't feel good once. about it. <laughs> like, let's stay open because some people who've only been here from drunk, they might come here for their first time. On accident. Yeah. <laughs> and then there could also be foreigners who come here who don't know that breakfast is the most important <laughs> meal of the day. Take or leave all those other meals. Take or leave them. The dining and dashing that takes place during drunk hours is pretty amazing. I would not leave my restaurant open because of the amount of... You either got people yelling out things or they're like, we've eaten, let's leave. Nothing is without paying. worse than dealing with that crowd and then adding like food into that. It's like they can't be trusted to tip anyway. Like even if no. they do pay, they don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing. They yeah, they don't know how to do math and their money just went into alcohol. Yeah. And they don't have a lot of it left. They're like I'm going to have to uh cut back on the tip cuz I did spend a lot of money on booze. I, I want $4 worth of eggs and toast, please. <laughs> That's what they should just say. Here's a just a one price, no matter what you're ordering, uh, at all. Some people who see them go in for a full meal. I think you have to eat breakfast. Uh, here's uh, Brett in D.C. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Yeah, doing okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm in the Navy. I, was, I lived in Japan for a while, okay, and well, they don't even have breakfast restaurants. restaurants. They don't have breakfast restaurants. Yeah, like you can't. Like I didn't even know how to go get breakfast. Like it's just something in their culture. You just eat breakfast at your house. So, or but what do they eat for breakfast? I don't know. I've, I mean, I'm an American. I lived in Japan. I ate, you know, on base most of the time. But I don't have any idea. I'm assuming noodles and rice. That's Here's they the thing: every other meal. The reason why they don't. Uh, open up their restaurants for breakfast, that's when they get together and talk about rebooting bombing Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. I've only traveled abroad once, and I went to Italy, and they do not do a big breakfast. Like, they they have, like, a little espresso, and then, like... Maybe a croissant or like a little roll, and that's it. Do they do a big lunch? They do a huge lunch. A decent-sized dinner, actually, come to think of it. But so, huge lunch, good-sized dinner. Lunch is the most important part of the, uh, yeah. the most important meal of the day. But I've programmed to think, like, oh, I better, like, you know, like, if, especially if you're traveling, you're, like, moving sure. around, you're, like, sightseeing. The first meal, it's nothing. But the only thing that's really cute about it is, like, um, to-go cups, because they mostly drink espresso in the morning, a tiny little, tiny espresso cup, to-go cups. And you'll see, like, like construction workers all standing around, and they have these teeny little espresso cups. It's so cute. It's really adorable. Is it because that the, the espresso is just so amped that you couldn't drink a full cup of it? Yeah. it's a. I think it's a higher... Uh, Caffeine. caffeine. It's a and it's a stronger flavor. And then since they're doing a light breakfast, teeny little espresso, teeny little roll or croissant or something. That's all you need. And then a giant. Just sleep late. If you sleep <laughs> yeah. late, you really are getting I'll breakfast. Up, sometime. I'll wake up for lunch. Uh, Chris, Strong Island. Good morning, guys. Uh, my sister-in-law, uh, her mother was a war bride from Japan. Um, they ate steamed white rice until she was in high school. She didn't know that other people ate breakfast because her mom was Japanese? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. <laughs> then like, like she sleeps overnight at a friend's house and goes like this, <laughs> Pan 
pancakes. <laughs> I've been eating rice like an idiot. <laughs> I've been eating like a like a Japanese person. <laughs> That's the deal, man. Great that... to meet you guys on Friday. Have a great weekend. Peace. Um, they just like a small breakfast and then a very small wash rag. Just teeny, they, yeah, warm they sit on bag. a bench next. Um, here's uh, Tommy. Tommy, can you hear me? Hey, good morning, Tommy. 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 Uh, <laughs> how are you guys this morning? Tommy, can you hear me? Oh, we're gonna do this again. <laughs> Tommy, what do you got, buddy? <laughs> uh, I think breakfast is uh, on Tommy? <laughs> Tommy? Go ahead, Tommy. Uh, all right. I think it's an English-influenced thing. <laughs> Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy? Tommy? You were saying Ron? something, though? <laughs> Can you hear me, Ron? Huh? <laughs> did, did you get what I said? So what would you like to talk about? <laughs> All right. Have a good day. See me. Oh. Feel me. Touch me. I'm one of the few people who really loves the movie to that, and a lot of people don't. I love it. I love it. That's because you're not a big Who fan. If you're a Who fan, you would despise it. Can't you be both? Can't you enjoy the film? Do you think it's all right? Do you think it's all right? You <laughs> take the boy, the Cody. That movie was terrifying to me as a kid. That movie sure. is so s fiddle about. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's a little weird for kids to say. I didn't. <laughs> I'm a mistake. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> South Carolina. Hey. hey, kids. Hey, I got a King's question for you, Ronnie. I don't go deep. I know all the songs everybody knows. Right. But what did Kings fans think, like the real Kings fans think, when the Kings got really big in like the 80s? I mean, they had music videos and they had, what was it? Yeah, Come Dancing song? was a giant yeah. hit. Was that, was that like, oh my God, they suck now? Or was it just like, eh, I don't think so. I think people always knew that they were pretty much a pop band. And uh, I think people always thought good things for them. Okay. You know what I mean? These I'm songs curious. aren't, you know, hideous. They weren't terrible, no. no. Was, you know, like you said, it's upbeat, happy music, but sometimes fans get a little, you know, offended when their group gets big. So I was just curious. I just yeah, I don't care whoever that. gets offended. That's the thing. I mean, if you hate somebody, I mean, unless they got big for a reason that was just so cynical, yeah. you know? But I don't know how you could get mad at somebody for making a video. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm like... That's a terrible epidemic, like people turning their back on their loved artists whenever they have a little success. It's always sad. Yeah. Or 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 not letting them like just change and be like human, like, oh, now we're going to try this. I hate you now if you're going to do that. See, this you know? is what I, I will always do, though. I will stop liking a serial killer if he gets let out of prison. I'm just like, no, you're just like anyone else. Yeah, you're not even... You're not, you, don't, you don't even seem like you're Manson anymore now that you're out of jail. It's just not as special, you know? You were better behind that door yelling shit <laughs> to people. That's when you were at your best. 
Come dancing. Um, Todd in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Todd. How you doing, Bennington? Good. How you doing, Fess? Okay. <laughs> uh, two things. I spent some time over in France, and they really do food right. Uh, the first thing is uh, in the afternoon, they have an afternoon snack, which is like a formal part of their workday. So they, they take uh, another uh, little break between lunch and dinner and have a full snack, which is really cool. They call it goûte, which is like it, it just really refreshes you in the middle of the day. And, uh, and the second thing is that nobody over there is overweight, one, because, of course, they use fresh ingredients, but two, uh, their portion size is smaller, and the way to look at it is that if uh, if you can't get full enjoyment and savor the flavor of whatever course you're eating in two or three bites, then you're having way too much of it. So they slow down and they savor every bite of every course, and therefore you have smaller meals, but you're enjoying it so much We more. eat faster and more yeah. in this yeah. country, and um, like our, all of our mothers always said to us, don't stop eating until you feel bloated and sick. <laughs> then you know you've had enough. Now, the thing about France uh, that I found out that is really weird, I mean, I guess it's kind of a cliche, but it's true, is that all the boys in France, they have lipstick in their pants. <laughs> Isn't that strange? We didn't... I mean, I heard that first, and I thought it was just, you know, something kids say, but no. It's true. It's true. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm for this goûte. I don't understand why uh, we've we've chosen three meals. I've always been a four meal a day kind of person. I feel like that that's that's my standard. What's the fourth meal? Like like there's a sadness, like, <laughs> depression? No, like like there's a late lunch situation that happens before dinner. It's smaller, it's a Small smaller snack. snack. Yeah. And then you believe well, in appetizers, but in real life, right? Not just at a restaurant. And then, well, actually, technically, f- five meals because then you need like something a little sweet at the end of the night. I like a baby tooth. <laughs> I just pop that in. I suck on it. Mmm. All right, I'm now over at the iBang, and I'm looking at that dress, and I think it's orange and red. <laughs> it's changed on me completely. Uh, Mike in Jersey. Bennington's? This is the Bennington's on Bennington. Good morning. morning. I saw the Kings in Central Park around 1980. We jumped the line. It was uh, general admission. Jumped the line. Got in. Eighth row. Ray Davies. During the concert, did alcohol. He was up on the scaffolding. All the way on the top of the scaffolding. Scaffolding. With a Heineken singing alcohol. It was beautiful. You loved it, huh? <laughs> it was beautiful. Like this, I everything seen, has come together in my life. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, him, I've seen him like 20 times. I'm a huge Kings fan. Awesome. They may get one more tour, my friend. I'm, uh, I'll be there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I don't even know if a lot of people know this, but Ray Davies was shot in New yeah, Orleans in, uh, back in like yeah, 2004. And yep. um, that's also what... You know, took him off of things for a while. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was living down in New Orleans, and I guess he was mugged or whatever. He was shot, almost lost his leg, I believe. Took a long time to recover. Um, and that, for some reason, we would have thought him and his brother would have really got together. You know? Yeah. 
after Man, that. I didn't know that. That's really crazy. Yeah, it's wild. It's not even a story that he's crazy about telling because, you know, it's kind of life-threatening and just feels awful yeah. to tell those stories. Do, 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 do. Bands may come and go, <laughs> but rock and roll is always going to stay. Do, 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 do. Chris in Philly, what's up? Hey, I used to go to military school and uh, in Virginia, and there was a lot of it was like an international school, and uh, there's a, a couple of Japanese guys, and in the morning they would get nothing. They would order in in the mess hall big potatoes for breakfast. The weirdest thing ever. Well, they just uh, didn't know. Yeah, they would order like uh, yeah, it, no breakfast food, just a, like uh, dinner food mostly. Yeah, I mean, breakfast food is just a made-up thing. Yeah, we've only just decided. Like, why? Why are eggs for morning? That's kind of weird. I mean, it seems like something that we could be using all the time. Yeah. <laughs> or why can't you just get up in the morning and have a sandwich? But if you were with someone and you just looked over and it was 7 o'clock in the morning and you're like just sitting there making themselves a sandwich, you'd be like, you're an animal. <laughs> that shouldn't be eaten for another three to four hours. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. I even kind of feel that way at brunch. Like, it's brunch, but I'm having breakfast. Like, I, I see... Yeah. Like, I kind of feel weird about just, like, getting a burger as my first... You know what brunch is. It's a chance to drink alcohol during breakfast. It's like, it's Sunday. We're going to forgive ourselves of, uh, of our regular socialness. And drink alcohol while we have an omelet. That's all brunches. True. No one really wants a pork chop. <laughs> Sunday morning, let me get a steak and um and some bacon, because that doesn't normally go together. <laughs> Give me some turkey and some eggs, a jelly donut, <laughs> and some pasta. Why do we... Keep the drinks coming, <laughs> yeah. Lots of drinks. I'm going to start acting with mimosas, but after that, just bring me shots of tequila. <laughs> Our family would start every breakfast with shots. Well, they used to also have that thing about you can't drink before noon or you're a bad person. But then you got people going, oh, quarter up, 15 minutes till. 15 minutes till I can drop the first hammer of the day. <laughs> You know, people make up these things for themselves. Like, I was outside last night having a smoke, and it was like 5 o'clock, and I watched the amount of bosses that just wait till 5 o'clock to leave. Like, oh, yeah. the, the, the down the hall people. No one's making them. No one's putting on them in any schedule. We have a 24-hour day here. Absolutely. It's but, really bizarre. But they go, come in at 9, I leave at 5. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I heard it once when I was younger. Um, I, I worked places like that, and there was like a minimum time where it's like if you left, I think that it, they thought it would look terrible if you walked out a minute before then. But people show up as late as they want. There wasn't right. like it wasn't like people clocked in. <laughs> but if it would look crazy to leave five minutes before that time. And then it's just a mass exodus, like everyone's trying to... Everyone waits till their boss to start to leave, and then they start to put on their coat. Oh, yeah, nothing's worse than that. Like, if you work in an office where you can kind of see everybody, yeah. it's like 
there's the chain of command. Like everyone waits for the higher up. So like always when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you're just waiting for the last guy. If your boss has something to actually do, you're like, damn it. He's mad at his wife. So we all have to stay here. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Brian, Jersey. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, when I was a kid, we went over to France and they, they put out, like, we went up for breakfast or we were in the hotel or whatever. And they put out, like, showers, and I was, like, really upset because it wasn't what I was used to. And it was, it was like adult dinner food or whatever. But then they whipped out dessert and they just, there's no dessert. It's just part of the meal, like, incorporated. So they go, like, back and forth. They just take little bites. So I was, like, heaven all of a sudden. It blew my mind. <laughs> you were just suddenly in heaven. A little salad, yeah, little cake. Up. Yeah. Salad hell to dessert heaven. It was amazing. Salad hell, dessert <laughs> heaven. That's the name of my new book. Um, here's uh, Chris. Chris in Ohio. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Ron. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I don't like breakfast food at all. So if I go out to eat on a Sunday with my family, if I make breakfast for my wife, I'll have a hamburger. And people look at me like I'm a weirdo. Am I? Well, you are a weirdo because you <laughs> act outside of the norm. But the norm itself, that we set it up this way, is is strange. We would not expect someone to have a French fries and burger for breakfast. But there's no more calories than that than if a stack of pancakes, some sausages, syrup... You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, I eat light. But you're clearly operating outside of society. You're outside of the norm. (laughs) You've done something different. Like, let's face it. If you go to a movie and someone's eating a Slim Jim, that person's a weirdo (laughs) only because it's different than what everyone else does. Remember when, like, they started to... Like try to have like more like gourmet food. They're pushing theaters. it again. It's it was really weird. Who wants to eat that kind of food in a movie? Well, first of all, who wants? You're trying to focus on the movie. And you're gonna sit there and be like cutting a steak with your fork, looking <laughs> up. Oh, I mean, hope Leo DiCaprio gets out of this mess. I don't watch anything that I like really want to pay attention to while I'm eating dinner anyway. But do you have popcorn every time you go to the theater? Um, most. See? And why? I mean, you don't feel the need for popcorn at other things. You're not like, at a concert, get some popcorn. I'm at church, make sure I get a barrel of popcorn. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, the fact that we eat popcorn... At the movies is just something. Or just like you go to a ball game, you want a hot dog. Yeah. Like if you get a hot dog in a movie theater, it seems crazy. <laughs> you're like, I'm disgusted by people who are like, I got a hot dog before the movie starts. You're like, ooh. Even, oh. even people who would get nachos, like, I'm not against nachos, but you, like, I think it looks crazy if you're sitting there with like a plate full of nachos. That you can't really see too much. <laughs> well, you can't have a food that's going to drip on you like that. Condiments are out of the question. In the movie theater, in the dark. You can't. But why do... I mean, we don't need... When I go to a screening, right, a screening room to see a movie is where I see most movies now. There's no popcorn there. There's no refreshments. It's just a small room, you know, with a screen. Sure. And I had to be like, I can't hold any popcorn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, it felt like I was jonesing. Like, I was dope sick. And then I actually yelled out during the screening, Stop popcorn! 
There's not any popcorn in here. I don't have it. But it's not like you would make. It's not like you make popcorn for yourself every time you watch no. a movie at all. No, I don't. It's a rare occurrence for me to go. We're going to put on HBO. Pop some corn up. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any butter flavoring? Not actual butter, but a weird oil to pour all down it. I like a Twizzler as well in the movies. Well, it's not the best thing for you. You know, when you're watching a movie, start to choke on that in the dark. Nobody can see it. Oh, God. But that's any food. I'm writing a, a book of nonfiction called People Who Choke to Death at Movies. Oh, God. That sounds scary. It is scary. Mike Crooklyn Bennington. Hey, Ron. How's it going? Okay. Um, yeah, the story I heard was when Ray Davies got shot in New Orleans. Uh, some some guy tried to rob his old lady's uh, purse, and he chased him down, and then the guy shot him. Yeah. Well, it was just I always thought that was pretty badass. I don't think it's. I think it's a dumb idea to chase well, yeah. robbers over a purse. Let <laughs> that, well, that too, but yeah, the kids from Frozen were so right when they said, "Let it go." <laughs> we, but that's a lesson you learn from when you were a kid. Like if somebody grabs your bag, if somebody like tries to taste, you just drop it, let them have it. But yeah. I think in the moment, you're going to react however you are truly inside. Like it's like whatever that personal instinct is, no amount of like this is the way we act in an emergency or terrible situation is going to help you. I think ultimately you're going to revert to whatever well, it is that you do. Did I ever tell you the horrible thing that I do to people in the streets in New York when I see somebody I know? I just did it last night to our intern. Okay. That's his name. Okay. So here's what I do. Like stand up and you're walking towards me. Now you don't see me. I'm either coming at you on, a, on an angle. Okay. And I've done this to a lot of people in the streets of New York. So you're walking along here. I drop my shoulder oh, down and I lean into them like that. Oh, my God. So they can't see me and all they see is a shoulder and a person leaning. So I've done it to Eddie Trunk. I've done it to Wally the cue card guy. I've done it to Fez and got a girl scream from Fez. Um, but what I got from MK was he actually did this. He starts doing this crazy dance and he goes, Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> And then I just lift my head up into a smile. So he sees it's me, and he goes like this. Okay, it's you. And then, <laughs> okay, it's you. But he was really thinking he was being lean to death. <laughs> oh my god! I don't, I don't know how I don't know how I would react to that situation. Who knows? You don't know really what how you're going to be. You might just you might just start punching. Um, yeah, I, I actually say to myself, one of these days somebody's going to smash me in the back of the head. But some, I think that men have a tendency to be like, hey, first, because they don't know if the person's having a heart attack right. or, you know, drunk or whatever. It's not the same as if you went for their crotch. But I don't know why I got around to it. I just lean into them and keep the head down. You got to be careful. Someone could bring the knee up. Well, I did it to Eddie Trunk down near Madison Square Garden, and I had to have walked him <laughs> at least fifteen yards <laughs> up against the thing. It just kept going and going, and he was like, "This, hey, come on now, hey, hey, big." 
being pushed up. But none of these guys seem like defensive linemen. They're really ready. They're really ready to go with the block. Um, we really got to get ready to wrap this one up, too, because I had to tell you about all the great shows. First of all, E-Rock show playing what time today, E-Rock? Uh, 8 p.m. on the east, 5 on the west. 8 p.m. on the east, 5 on the west. Then, uh, you know, you got to accelerate it right on after us here right. on OP Radio. Sam Roberts show, 3 o'clock today. Uh, and then it's it's Eric Nagel, 8 o'clock on the east today. Uh, this Bennington show will be available later on, on demand. demand. Very nice. Um, they, they updated on demand, too, so you can now find Opie Radio instead of Sirius XM Talk. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> thank now you're God. you're not going to get all those emails. No, yeah. You guys suck and everybody anything when you need to. <laughs> I'm typing my disgust with you. <laughs> uh, tonight on Mass, which runs right here on Opie Radio, Nick Stoller, the director who... I thought was going to be very pleasant. One of the funniest people at Unmasked ever. Awesome. Just unloaded. Just, <laughs> just was went, just went for it with joke after joke after joke. That's really, really funny guy. But uh, accelerate comes up next, and then people, you know, Sam Roberts at three. And he's doing a whole thing on Luchador, underground Luchador wrestling, which is so good. It's kind of cool. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to do a thing where not only the wrestlers wear the masks, right? But so do the announcers. Great. And then they sit down for a talk and they just unmasked. It's just like my show Unmasked. They <laughs> both take their Luchador masks off. That's amazing. Have you ever thought about un unmasking a, a luchador? That sounds like somebody would get, get killed if that happens, because that's their soul that expresses themselves. <laughs> I've heard that announced enough. Um, so thank you for coming in. I believe we're in next Friday you, as well yep. on the uh, on the Bennington show. So I appreciate Opie for that. Um, as I said, there's another 19 shows that you can listen to today. I'm doing Ron and Fez later today. I'm doing Unmasked on this channel later tonight. Um, Accelerated comes up next. Sam Roberts at 3 o'clock. And that show, first time ever, Sam's doing a pantsless. So that's wow. going to be exciting. I'm going to check and that then out. It's the <laughs> Eric Nagel Good time comedy show. You got a couple comics with you, right, Eric? Yes, I have Frank Santo Padre and Lisa Carrero. Oh, the jokes are going to be flying. <laughs> Is it knock knock jokes? Or you guys go a little deeper. We go uh, old school, like Milton Berle yeah. style. And once again, I want to apologize to all the people who saw it black and blue. It's it's a perfectly normal way to see it's it. A, you know what? We used to have a thing where the ink is black and blue and the page is gold and white. Together we learn to read and write. So we learned that from Three Dog Night. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gail. Good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you. Body. 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 <laughs> Two bodies doing a little radio show with their bodies. Doing a body show for all their bodies out there. Body. Body. Um, you know what my first dog's name was? Hmm. Body. <laughs> 
So that makes my porn name Bore. Bore. <laughs> Buddy Monticello. I know. Such a good porn name. What were yours, Bay? Midnight Poinsettia. Mm. I think that like that's definitely like something a little dark there, like a little S and M. Sounds a little Fifty Shades. I don't know the. Uh, well, I'll probably tell the Fifty Shades story during the. Uh, but a woman was arrested for pleasuring herself at a Fifty Shades oh of Grey. Oh yeah. Boy. yeah, that was the best review they've ever gotten. Not what said. Mama wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> The review she gave it, two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, kids. We out of here. Peace in the East. See you next time. You've been listening to Bennington, only on OP Radio. XM 103, Sirius 206. You can listen to it again by going to Sirius XM On Demand.